All right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready. We're here at the Roy and Jimmy thing. Get ready to rock. Get ready to roll. The moment you've all been waiting for. We got hot, sexy Roy and Jimmy. Hell yeah. Like you always do. And hey, Monday night, everybody. What's going on? It is Monday night. The Roy and Jimmy thing right here on chaoticradio.com. Welcome. Welcome, Mr. Brewster. Welcome. My name is Roy Brewster, and this over here... I am Jimmy Shaw. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Yes. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. And uh, we're pretty stoked. We're going to get this thing rolling quick. Man, how was your week? It was a busy week and fulfilled and very good. You had a show on Saturday night. Yes, uh, the wine bar. What was it? The Canyon Crest. Canyon Crest. Canyon, yes. yeah, that was it. Woo, thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, you got to host yeah, that yeah. one. I didn't know they actually made wine there. Yeah. Yeah, was, and that's all they serve. No beer, just just wine. Cool little room. Thanks to Eddie Jarvis for letting me be part of that. That was um, got to host that one. That was uh, it was fun. It was a good little crowd. So yeah, it is a fun place. Really like that one. Um, I'm gonna give a shout out to uh, Rudy Romero. So excited, Rudy Marino. I got to do his show at Bruce's. Got to do a show down at Bruce's on Wednesday night there in Santa Fe Springs. What a great room, great show, and it was great seeing Rudy again. And a, a lot of comics I hadn't seen in a long time. So got to pal around, got to do uh, do a set, and so super fun. So uh, definitely appreciated, Mister Rudy Marino. We're going to have him uh, do uh, be one of our calling guests soon too. Um, that's awesome. How that that show was a lot of fun though. Lots of fun, yeah. Big place, great crowd, real friendly. It was, uh, definitely a place for comedy. Nice. Um, I got to bring something up. I came in and uh, hung out with the Rantaholics last Wednesday. Right. Um, and came in because Victoria Smitherman came in. Right, right. Um, if you don't know her story, look it up. I, I, I'm not going to get way into it, but uh, what an amazing young lady. I was blown away. And um, her and her whole family, uh, bless you all. You guys are you guys are amazing. And you, um, I'm going to tell you right now, Victoria, you touched my life. So... Thank you for letting me be a part of that, and thanks for Brandon for having us in. And uh, Jimmy and I, we went in and brought her. Did you see the flowers we brought her? I did. Yeah, they're cool. Very nice. She was all excited about it because she said she loves animals, a little seal. So perfect. What an amazing young lady. So um, thank you again, and Victoria, we're thinking about you. Hey, the offer stands. Oh, I should have told Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, I, I made a deal. I yeah. said if she ever wants to come in on our show, she's welcome. Oh, anytime. Um, bad thing is, she sat in the big chair right here. I saw that picture. Um, little control. Little, yeah. did, she, did she feel it? I'm going to tell you something. Brandon was a little worried for his job. <laughs> the new Wednesday night? The new Wednesday night with Victoria. Hilarious. Uh, so, Victoria Smitherman, we're thinking about you, and um, you rock, man. You you are something else. So, I give a shout-out for that. Uh, let's see. It was on Saturday to the show. Um, anything else this week go on? Yeah, actually, uh, I'm going to be down at the uh, Riverside Elks Lodge on Friday night. I'm hosting a show down there, and uh, it's a nice little uh, benefit raising down there for the Elks Lodge. And uh, so I'll be down there Friday night in Riverside. If you're in, uh, in the area, come on down. Uh, we have a little uh, a little food, uh, a couple drinks, and uh, a night of laughs. So awesome! And don't forget, on the eighth is the next Legacy Room show. 
October eighth. That's a week from Saturday. Yeah, just a, a week, just over a week away. So a week and almost two weeks. And who we got? Who we got coming on those? Uh, Taylor Tomlinson uh, is going to be there from Laughs and and uh, Last Comic Standing. Last Comic Standing. She's she's a crusher. Yeah, hilarious. so she's going to be there. Um, who else we have? We have no. We have Carmel. Carmel Humphrey. Yep. Yeah. Javago. Javago is going to be there. And our, our newest friend, he's uh, new on the scene, but uh, super hilarious. Uh, oh, my God. I can't uh, wait for them to see him. Wyatt Gray. Yeah. Wyatt, man. I hope you're listening. If you're yeah, not, this is his coming out season. He's uh, been at it for, uh, I think, a couple years, but uh, he's really hitting a stride, and we got to see him during that comedy competition. And, uh, yeah, right away we just knew this guy's in. Yeah, he was he was in easy and early and quick. And I can't wait, man. Only a week and a half away. Very good. So we'll be doing that um, on the 8th. Make sure to get your tickets. Actually, um We'll have some tickets to give away next week. So we're going to give away some tickets for that show. So call in. We'll do another thing. Um, when you guys left keys? Erica, Erica did. Uh, she won the tickets last time. So she got to get in. She got all the deals. So we're going to give them away this time. We might even have a couple pairs for some cool little, maybe little game thing that's going to let you know, you know, if you're going to win or not. So Absolutely. A little contest, a little swag, and uh, definitely, uh, and, you know, congrats to uh, our, our, Northern, our Northern California fan, Erica. Uh, she won tickets to the last show, and she brought her aunt. All the way down from Northern California to see Northern the show. California, and they came down, and they had a great time. So uh, definitely stay tuned. Definitely we're going to give a couple more tickets away. Um, I promise if you come next time that I will do some material. Just let you know. <laughs> yeah, forego that Roy made everyone laugh. He's going to worry about doing <laughs> doing his little bits. Little bits. He wants to do his little bits. A little, little. You got to work on that stuff. You know, I, I ran out of time playing with everyone, and by the time it was done, it was like, oh, Jimmy's lighting me in my own damn show. Just, <laughs> <laughs> so you gave me a look like I thought you were going to kick my ass. No, I was glad you did because you know what it's like. Because when we do it, we want to make sure that. We get all the comics their time, sure. and we're we're loose, but we're not like let it fly. So when Jimmy and I go up, we know how much time we have, and we kind of say, "Well, I won't lie to you know where you're at." So we kind of give each other a little wink off yeah. the side. And when I saw li- Jimmy hit me with the with the light, I went, "Oh, got a little breathy with these people in the front row." A little I'm breathy, thinking, a little breathy, but uh, a lot of fun. Thanks again, Jim and Sheila. And you we got to give a shout out to uh, last week's guest from the Hug Life podcast. We had uh, Monica Nevy and Mike Coletta in. Uh, super fun. We had a great time with them. Uh, definitely tune in for their uh, their podcast, the Hug Life podcast. And uh, a couple months, we're going to go and uh, do their show. And so that, yes. that's going to be a hoot. Of course we are. We can do it wherever. I, I don't have my glasses on, man. Oh, you don't have your glasses on? No. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We're going we're gonna to have Rich up in here in a couple minutes. I think well, we're going to do... I don't, I don't even think we told anyone on air if they didn't know. I mean, we've been posting the hell out of it. That's true. If you haven't known stuff, our guest tonight is uh, a legendary comic... Talented writer, author, actor, uh, Rich Scheidner is going to join us on the phone in a few minutes. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break before that. That way, that's just over with. Okay. Well, that's over with, and everyone get gear themselves. So in a couple minutes, we're going to do that break, and we'll get uh, Rich on the line and and turn him loose. Awesome. Turn him loose. I, I think at that point we'll just sit back and go, uh huh, uh huh, yeah, all right, great. Live in shame or yeah. I, we got to be honest. Jimmy and I were a little geeked. Oh, you big know, time. You know, we're, we're trying to play cool. Like, hey, Rich, Rich is coming, you know. You know. You know. You remember, you remember Rich. You remember Rich, you know, HBO and Tonight Shows and Letterman and you know, all that stuff. All that good stuff. Yeah, all the, all the writing credits <laughs> and stuff. Rich, Rich will probably be in, you know. We'll probably give him three, four minutes. Yeah, so that, that's a thrill there and stuff like that. I, want to get, I just want to get these commercials out of the way. Yeah, because when he's on, um, I'm going to be honest with you, um, I ain't cutting away. <laughs> <laughs> we have the Do Not Cut Away button just in case uh, 
<laughs> just in case he just wants to continue because exactly. we're not going to stop him. Um, and if you're looking up, uh, find his new book out, um, Kicking Through the Ashes. Um, what a read. Oh, for sure. Um, been going been going crazy trying to get all caught up. Um, but, man, what a read. So Definitely. we're going to get out of here now? Yeah, we're going to do our, our, first in, uh, our first commercial break now. We'll get this over with. Everyone settle in and uh, get yourself comfortable. for. Uh, we get back, we'll have uh, Rich Scheidner on the show. And um, uh, just enjoy yourselves. We're gonna, we'll be back after all this. All right, see you in a minute. Welcome back to the Roy and Jimmy thing here on chaoticradio.com. Now we're good. Now we're good. We want to get that business out of the way first because we got someone big on the phone that we don't want to interrupt as long as he wants to speak. Absolutely. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. Uh, yeah, you have the Roy and Jimmy thing. Uh, our guest tonight is on the phone. Uh, legendary comic, uh, super funny guy, writer, actor, author, documentary host, uh, Bring him on. Just, a, just, just, just bring could, him in. We could do that as long as he's on. We're going to bring him in now, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rich Scheidner. Rich, thank you, guys. Thank you, man. No, thank you. No, appreciate it. How you doing tonight, Rich? Very good. Very good. Uh, thank, very happy. Thanks for coming on the show. Real, really appreciate it. Cool, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Well, you're happy. You should be on this side of the mic. It's funny. I talked to Rich, <laughs> I, I talked to Rich on the phone last week, real quick, and uh, Roy asked me, he goes, "So how'd it go?" I go, "He sounds just like him." <laughs> like he's gonna sound like someone else right well i gotta tell you yeah. right now how geeked out we were J- jimmy walked in right before he called and he goes i'm gonna call rich now <laughs> cool, man. that it's is cool. awesome and so how have you been rich what have you been up to buddy not good you know we, i was just in las vegas to the laugh factor there and i'm selling the book um uh, um uh, I, I just really i like i like it i like I like uh, I like writing it and I like selling it. I didn't think I would like selling it, but people are are digging it, so I, I, I'm excited. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, I, I've got it right here, and and uh, yeah, you got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I I'm digging it. He's got, <laughs> really am. He's got so so many posted notes in this thing. It looks like it's going to fly by itself. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, these are these are stories that you started writing up on Facebook, right? Right. I started it. You know, I started it actually uh, um, nearly three years ago. Um, a friend of mine, sort of like my mentor, and he suggested I do it, and uh, and I started getting feedback, and I and then it was like people were reminding me things that I'd forgotten and kind of correcting me or or else verifying what I wrote. Uh, I know some people are like, how do you remember stuff that long ago? Well, I, I have no books. I have. You know, at, at comics, we remember everything that's funny. I mean, if something happened funny, I mean, how could, you know, if you read the Ali Joe Prater story, how do you forget something like that? I don't know how you forget it. Right, right. Ex- so, exactly. to me, it's like, the, it's it's easy, you know? Well, I, I remember following the Facebook posts early um, and seeing, and, and Jimmy and I would talk about it, and go, oh, man, did you see that thing Rich wrote? And it's just like, and, and it's not a... Not pumping you up, but it's like when you write it like that, the way you were writing it from that perspective, it's like it almost put you there. And that was the cool part. It wasn't like just hearing a story. It's like this happened, but it was like all of a sudden you were drawn in in that time, in that area when it happened. And that was the cool thing about it because some people can tell stories, but who cares? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, you know it's, it almost started also, you know, Phyllis Diller was, was a friend of mine, and we talked about a lot of history of stand up comedy. and 
And she was from that era, you know, the Lenny Bruce Mort song. That was a big revolution in comedy. That's when stand-up comedy became an art form. Instead of just shtick, it became what the comics said mattered. So you have guys today who really matter to Jim Jeffries or Bill Burr or Sarah Silverman, people who matter. What they're saying matters. That started then. And then she wanted me to write the whole history of stand-up comedy. And I started writing. I said, it's, getting a, I said, it's, it's a textbook. Nobody but three geeks are going to want to read this book. <laughs> well, we, but I can write I can write about my era of the 80s, which is also a big, important era, because that's when it became a, a legitimate job. Stand-up became a job. You know, when I got in trouble in, in school, they'd go, oh, you think you're funny, Mr. Shaw? They go down and talk to the vice principal. But now if a kid cuts in class, they go, you think you're funny? You may have a job in comedy. Go talk to the guidance counselor. Guidance counselor can help you out. <laughs> well, you know, the 80s, That's uh, like you said, the boom was there, and, and really my super fandom into wanting to be a comic we've been doing it like eight years now uh you know was that yeah. era you know uh, including you uh bobby collins uh you know obviously george carlin you know those storytellers start coming through and you're just like oh my god this is so funny and then at the same time going i i, I can talk i i got these stories i can do the same thing you know so right. you guys were like mentors or just idols at that time and then once we started doing it it's like oh my god it's just it's an amazing thing to do yeah, I, I, you know, uh, Mike Lacey down Comedy Magic Club said, "Won't you teach a comedy class down there?" And I, I was sort of hesitant because I didn't teach damn comedy, right? And all I really could basically say was, "Just go up there and be funny." You just got to do it over and over again until you find out whether you really can do it or not. There's no, but, but what I ended up doing was telling them stories and covering every kind of like heckling that stories about the heckling, like the story from Atlanta there, or stories about heckling, or or stories about you know joke thievery or whatever. You know, I, I would tell them stories to say, this is what you might encounter. So I just give them my experience, and that also kind of led to me going, you know, I got a lot of stories here. I could make a book and cover every aspect of stand-up, the joke writing or, or whatever it is that I can cover. Right. Well, I thought it was interesting. I mean, just going back to the book, and, and I don't know if we said it, it's, it's Kicking Through the Ashes, um, an awesome read. Um, and you, the part you did about heckling, I found it, like, real interesting because it's like you would never, you know – you said you were always good. It, it brought you, that's what got you where you were. You always cracking with guys and heckling and you know right. That's you did, but yeah, I, I looked, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't bothered by heckling. You know, first of all, I started opening up for rock bands, so that that just came with the territory. Right, and I never thought I've always thought that somebody might be yelling out just to see if you were there that night, see if you were there. Are you on automatic pilot? Are you just doing the same act you do verbatim every night, or you can you react? Can you be? And once you prove that you're in control, that you could be funny off the cuff. They go let you do your act, but I like to play with the audience. I love doing it. Absolutely, and then, you know, and they guide you uh, on your set ninety percent of the time. You know, yeah, sure, you. sure. Let's go. Let's go where you want to go. Yeah, you want to chose were just that. Right, you want to go further but, than what I'm telling you. Do you want to go back? Do you want to hit something else? Yeah, you know, yeah. You let them yeah, guide and you. They, and, yeah, and and they'll lead you to new material. Yeah, but for that, sure. That show in Lansing, you know, when somebody's coming at you, when they're coming at you with bad intent. Right, I mean, I'm from New Jersey. You know, I've been in bars. I I know when it, you know. I know when it's going to go. Right. When it's going to go to fish, you know. You know when it's coming. <laughs> and I knew these guys weren't there. To, and then I, you know, I talked to Joe Dunkel, who was the club owner back then. And he told me I didn't put this in the story because I didn't find this out until afterwards. He said, you know, he remembered that that they there there was that biker gang who had the bar before he had the bar at the comedy club, right? <laughs> and they wanted him to close down so they could get the bar back. So they sent a couple guys down to disrupt the shows. Oh. So that, oh, wow. that's what I was dealing with. That time I got in a fist fight on stage, they, they were there to do that. Damn. But there was no avoidance. 
Wow, and, and it's funny when I read that part in the book. I mean, to think about it now, we look back on it. It's like they were there to do that to you. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, and you know the the, the dumbest part, like I said, was the guy. He's got a cue stick and he's rushing the stage. He throws a cue stick down. That's <laughs> right. when I knew this guy doesn't really know what he's doing. <laughs> he showed who, who in a bar fight drops the cue stick? Yeah, right. He showed his hand right there. <laughs> right, and then he comes and he wants me to help him up on stage. Oh, jeez! Right. So I pull him up and tell, you know it was hilarious. It was hilarious, but you know I. I was always hesitant to tell that story because I always thought, you know, geez, you know, you know, I tell the story and they go, wow, you got a fist on the stage? What are you, nuts? Right? Right. It's not like you brag about, hey, I got a fist on the stage. And I was working with Robert Klein one time in Atlanta and, you know, he's one of my heroes. I love Robert Klein. And I'm, I, we're talking, we're just doing stories and I told him that story and he just jumps out of the chair and goes, oh my God, I got a fist fight on stage too. A bowling alley in Brooklyn or something, and he and he said what he what he killed me was he said I did the exact same you did. I finished the fist fight. I turned around, I got a ripped shirt, my hair's all messed up, and I turned to the crowd and tried to do jokes again. Fit, <laughs> <laughs> he still had time to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they're going, oh yeah, you're you're a funny guy. You're a nut. You're a funny. You're not, you're not a comic now. Yeah, not only got a, a time for an applause break if it happens, you got a time for the fight too. It's like you take, you take it. I got a tight six here, man. Let's make this quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was funny because, like, I mean, I, I'm still early. I say early, but you know, we're we're relatively new, being it as long we've been doing it. But at first, the people, the interaction was really it made me nervous. And now I like embrace it. I, don't, I I'll actually start speaking to people and try to get them to come back. And I know there's two sides of that. I know some old school guys will say, don't do that because they're not performers. You're there to do a job. And I'm thinking, well, no, I am here to perform. I'm having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, look, if it's a smaller crowd, you know, you learn things. You know, if it's a smaller crowd, you really have to, to get them involved. You got to bring them all together. If it's a big crowd, you crank start that beast and you run it hard. And if somebody wants to play it, they yell, fine, we'll play. But you just learn to feel it. You just learn to feel it. I was always like, if they want me to just run material, I'll run material. Or if they want to play, we'll play. I'll do what it takes, whatever they want. But you just have to learn to feel it, right? Exactly, right. yeah. That's, yeah. Well, have you been that way ever since you started, when you first started going up to your open No, house? you know, when I, look, I first started, I had no ability to play. I was just I was just trying to get laughs. So I don't even think I could do this, say this thing this way and get a laugh. I was looking if I could say it the same way the next day and get a laugh again. Right. So it takes time. I mean, it just takes time. And if you're doing it for time and time again, you learn to read the audience. You learn when they want it, when they don't. You just, you just, you get a vibe. You know, it's it's the only way to do it. Look, it's it's a different performance art form than any other. You know, you can practice singing at home, come out and sing in front of people at karaoke. And go, wow, that's great, but you practice at home by yourself. You, you can that. practice playing the guitar. You can't learn to do stand up without an audience. You have to have an audience. So every experience. Yeah, it's in front of the audience. Every time you get up there to do it, it's got to be with an audience. Your hairbrush in the mirror for this deal? No, that does not work. No, 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 no. And, and it has to be a live audience, full of, filled with strangers. They're, you know, they're filled with strangers. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because you know, we first started. You know, your friends and family come out, and you know, they're 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 laughing at everything, and you're you're really not learning shit at that point. You know, you're just no, and you're standing there with the mic. Yeah, and that's always a mistake. I never let anybody. I mean, people would find out, and they might find me, but I never told anybody when I was <laughs> running around DC doing this. Because I, and then later I'd see it. You know, those those audition nights when people would bring you know the twenty people from their office. He's the funniest guy in the office, and the twenty people would show up and they'd sit there in the crowd, 
maybe 100, 200 people. And as soon as that guy opened his mouth, they started howling, and he wasn't yeah. funny. And two jokes in, they're like uncomfortably laughing. And then the third joke in, they're quiet, they feel bad. Everybody feels bad. <laughs> and then they got to go back to the office the next day and find a new funny guy. <laughs> and a new friend at that point. Well, you know, we got to yeah, start. He is shot. He is shot. Yeah, that, that did not work out. He didn't get his uh, Comedy Central special yeah. that night. And, you know, right. it, you know, we first, we, we, we first started, we got stuck in that cycle of the bringer. And, uh, you know, yeah. part of the deal, but it got, got you stage time. And, you know, of course, everybody came out. You know, I think I had 20 people on my first three or four. And, you know, and right now yeah. I wish they would show up now when I'm good. Because now I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You really yeah. got to see me now because, well, it's up to you now. But, you know, we got stuck in that bringer thing. And at one point, me and Roy did the same thing you were just talking about. You realize, all right, I got to not work with you anymore. And I got to go somewhere and no one knows me and do this. That's right. That's you, right. You and that, let's see. You get that feeling that you that's what you got to do now. You're a different era. Uh, you know, I... I that's all I can say. It's a different era. I didn't have the bringer shows, but I had to, I had to find a place to do it. So in a sense, it was my version of the bringer show. Was I'd run around and they had these these singer songwriter nights in a bar in, in D.C. and they were all singers, and I'd kind of talk my way to get on there and do it. I had to find a place to do it. I talked to a guy who had a pizzeria and they let me go in there. People are sitting eating pizza, <laughs> and I'm standing up in front of them trying to do jokes like 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 I'm just a homeless guy that wandered off the street. <laughs> just, you know, and the comics say how tough it is now, but you know, back then that is that's that is way tough, and you're you're really earning it. You're so working it, like you said, you, you're finding a spot to just go up and do we it. Didn't, we did. I, look, I didn't. First of all, when I started doing it, I didn't know there were other comics. I was doing there's the place El Bookman's that, that I talk about in the book that opened it in the summer, like June of '77. I started in January '77. It wasn't until like almost a year later, a friend of mine from law school, she came and saw me. I was still in law school at the time. Yeah. And she goes, uh, you know, there are people doing this up in comedy clubs in New York City. I was like, what? What? Huh? <laughs> what? She says, yeah, other guys are doing what you're doing up in New York City. I said, I had no, and she took me up there and I went, went around to catch a rising star, couldn't get on, couldn't get in, couldn't get in to see a show. It was sold out Saturday night. Improv was sold out Saturday night. We went to a comic strip. And I watched the show, I'm sitting in there, and comic after comic comes on, I go, I'm funny this guy, I'm funny this guy. And then a guy comes on. It was Seinfeld, I didn't know at the time. You know, it was young Jerry Seinfeld, but he had great material, great performance. I went, I got more work to do. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and, and the thing is, is I, I all those shows that you did at the pizzerias or where everyone, anyone would just listen to you, I mean, that probably molded you. And if you can get laughs working that hard stuff when you get to a big club it's it's i don't want to say it's easy but it makes it a lot less difficult how's that oh man all it's so it's 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 the nietzsche that does not kill me makes me stronger it's totally true all my opening all my jobs opening up for bands when you get in front of two thousand people or there's a band they don't even know half the time they wouldn't even introduce me as they would please welcome Rich Scheidner. Wouldn't he be like comedian Rich Scheidner? I'd walk out without an instrument there. What is he going to do? They're screaming and yelling at you. Oh, man. They're high. They're, you know, you have to get their time. I remember once I opened up for the Plasmatics. Oh, Wendy Jesus. Wendy Williams, Plasmatics. <laughs> Probably four or 500 people this place in bar come in, in, in Adams Morgan in D.C. You know? And it was just, it was a punk crowd. And they, were, they were screaming. So I, I said, look. Look, she's not going to come out here for 15 minutes. I'm here for 15. If you kill me now, she's not coming out any sooner. <laughs> you just have to watch my body rot on stage. That's all. Watch me decompose. You know, I'm just, I'm cursing like crazy, right? Yeah. And 
Uh, some of them went, hey, that's pretty funny. Went along. Some of them went, no, let's kill him. <laughs> I like the killing part. Let's kill the part. <laughs> yeah, let's kill him. Now, did, uh, so the first time on like a big stage, a club stage, no fear, anything being a different animal. You're just you're just ready to go after doing you know those kind of uh, grunt work to get to where yeah. you're at. Yeah, I just I I went after it like I hate this, and I didn't. You know, some people say it's artistic. I went out athletically, honestly. I went out like it was a wrestling match every time. It was my background, and my job was to win. I wanted to win. That's it. I wanted to win. That night, I wanted to win. Okay. And so I went at it hard. And somebody once asked, you know, like, my, my performances were pretty athletic. I mean, I just, I, you know, I, I, I sweat. You've seen any picture of me back then. There's no picture of me when I'm not sweating. <laughs> You're right, yeah. Well, you know, what, what, and, and so. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so you know, as I went, went through it and kept going along to it, I just always went at it real hard with energy. I said, I'll wear, I'll wear them down, you know. I didn't learn first how to get them to laugh right away. But I just felt like if I'm up there five, ten minutes, they're going to give up. They're 15 to go, okay, we better laugh at this guy because he's not going away. <laughs> we're stuck with him. <laughs> just yeah. live through it. He's ours. So we're, let's enjoy yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my, um, my favorite stories, I can't remember the name of the thing. I'm just going to top my head. When you said you played the that gay nightclub. Oh, my God. <laughs> As, as I read that, I I really laughed as I was reading it, and I had to stop, breathe a little bit, and, because I'm again writing it so well. I'm picturing the whole thing happen and going down, and I'm like, oh my god, this was really going on at that time. <laughs> they, they, that I, was probably one of my first. It's got to be like one of my first five times on stage. You know, we went, Howard Vine was my buddy, and classmate, and took me down the first time to go down to this coffee house. So he's always looking for places. I found a place they do a, a talent night at the Gay Cabaret down in Southeast Washington. Now, again, we don't. This is pre, you know, the, the, the closet was filled. The gay people were not out. The, the closet. The only people who came out of the closet were pushed out by overpopulation. You know, so the, we didn't know anything about. It. So we get down there and there's a gay club. I said, I don't care, gay guys. I I, get, I would go in front of anybody. I didn't care because it was hard to find somebody place to let me on. And then the, the guy, the manager, is a really nice guy. He just said, look, look, guys, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, normally tonight's uh, ta- talent night, but once a month it's ladies' night. So we're so clueless. We just look at each other like, ladies' night, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be the only guys there. We're going we're gonna to score so, oh, my God. Yes, we'll do it. I'll do it. And he's like, all right, man, all right. It was lesbians, all lesbians. So even in the subculture, they were like, how can we get away from guys? We have our own little... Once a month, we have this little night where we just have us performing for, for, for us. And here comes this racked out, testosterone, overblown young monkey jumping up on stage. <laughs> you know, I, I bond. I mean, I've never felt the room go that cold that fast. <laughs> I was, first of all, I was unfunny under any conditions. I was not prepared really for any crowd. Right. I was not, it's not like, I, oh, I got this great act. They didn't give me a chance. No, I was terrible. <laughs> so I was terrible to begin with. And so I got one laugh. I said one thing. Because I never forget it, Howard remembers. I said, I guess I'm your worst nightmare. I just that kind of ad-libbed that. Right. And they laughed. Yeah, we agreed. They laughed in agreement. <laughs> but I was so <laughs> stupid. And I was so raw that I thought, oh, they're encouraging me to do more. You know how that, like, you see amateurs do that? Right, yeah. They, they, the audience gives them their laugh line, and they refuse to take it and leave. They just think that means do more, and I did. <laughs> You're so desperate to and get this, that, though. Yeah, <laughs> and, and this woman sat down front, just gets up, quiet, doesn't say a word, walks up on the stage, 
takes me by the arm and leads me off. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. We're not even going to address this. Nobody needs to say anything. It's just, let, I'll remove the problem. <laughs> that, that's the part, because I could actually picture, and, and I'm picturing the woman kind of like described, just kind of like rumbling up to the stage, and just like, I'll take care of this. Don't worry about it. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> just get rid yeah, of it like yeah. that. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember her saying anything. Howard doesn't remember her saying anything. She just got up there and just kind of led me off nicely, Walked very up. nicely. <laughs> and you obliged her. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I was smart enough to recognize it was the right thing. Well, she was leading him, basically, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. followed the yeah, dance. Yeah, she was definitely, oh, yeah, yeah. God. He just followed yeah. the dance out, is what he did there. Oh, <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, so much for ladies' night, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we, 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 we left ladies' night completely the way we entered, with nothing. With yeah. nothing at all. I, I'm, I'm not going to no. get a, a chuckle next time I see that passing by a bar where it says ladies' night. It's going to be, oh, yeah, I, I may have to stop in to look at this just to see. yeah we, we thought we thought well it's gonna be two for one drinks for ladies we'll we'll save some money buying them drinks we had no idea <laughs> throw a comedy night up on there <laughs> yeah well how soon after yeah. that did you get comfortable enough to well you're already comfortable you're doing it you're gonna do it anyways but were you starting- I, I, yeah i i i've been I, i've been circling the mic for so long that once i finally took it i just went after it everywhere possible I started getting, uh, you know, I, I think you, you might have saw my book, I Killed. My first paying job was actually opening for the Ramones. I right. mean, I, I, was, I was hanging around and telling everybody I was a comic, and I was doing it wherever I could, and my buddy at the bar there, the child Harold, told the owner, and he said, you want to open up for this band? And um, <laughs> it was like, you know, I said, yeah, you got $50, I get $50, man. <laughs> and I... I showed up and, and it was like, it wasn't official punk. Like, there were some shaved heads and mohawks and all, but there was a lot of flannel and jeans and young guys who were angry. Every angry young guy in the metropolitan area was there that night. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and you, you're, and you're, you're ready with your, your material. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm back. And the, and the club owner, I walk in and the whole, you could feel the anger. And the club owner's back there and laugh at the boys. They're going to kill you, man. <laughs> and he was a big drinker. Bill heard he was hilarious. He goes, hey, he's that. I said, oh, and to me, I was like, I- I'm going to make the 15. To me, it was like a rodeo event. I'm going to be on there till the buzzer goes. I'm getting that $50. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, he the goes you won't make five minutes, man. I'll double or nothing you for five. And I go, I'll take it. And, uh, you know, it was one of those nights where the, the you know, the, I don't know what the introduction was, but what the audience heard was, ladies and gentlemen, not the Ramones. <laughs> So whatever, it was a small place, a hundred people, whatever, that's all it was, but it was, it felt packed because it was a small place and I had to walk right, you know, it's not, it's not like you came off from behind the curtains, the stage was in the middle of the room, Springsteen actually played there in 72, they said his whole band was there with him, but only three people could be on the stage, everybody else stood around in the crowd, you know, Clarence Clemens was over by the, by the window, you know, and so they, they, they just booed me as I walked through the audience, they saw me just, just and just, just, you know, oh, wow. <laughs> biblical. It was like biblical. biblical. <laughs> I was like dragging a cross, cross through the stage. That, you know, that happens now with any uh, young comic starting. Hell, probably even me right now. That, you just want to turn around and leave. <laughs> you, you just, <laughs> like I said, it, to me it was like, you know, I've been in, it was like an athletic thing. I mean, I've been in situations where they boo you walking on the mat. Just, I'm just going up. I'm going to go up there. And I start, I don't have any kind of, again, I've been doing this for like, 
a couple of months, so I had this little act from A to B to C. I can't go, I'll oh, do my special punk material I wrote today for the show. Or right. I just, I don't, you know, I can't ad-lib, and it didn't take but a couple minutes, and they had enough of me, and one of the guys just, you know, he had a mug full of beer, and he just shot it at me, just hit me with the beer. Just <laughs> shot it the beer. <laughs> and I didn't move. I mean, I just I, go, I just shook it off like I was standing from the boat. Got hit with ocean spray. You know, I mean, anyway, my mom said, right back to my act. I got 15 to go double or nothing. You ain't going to get me to go anywhere. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And they and the next the next guy hit me with a beer. Then they just all go organized. They all started taking turns, oh, you know, wow. coming up, throwing a beer at me. Uh, my buddy said it was the most schizophrenic performance he'd ever seen. He said they hit me with a beer, everybody would cheer. I'd start talking, they start booing. <laughs> and then in the meantime, you're just powering through the same material you had. No, that's all. I mean, that's good. I was go right back. I was, you know, you know, as a comic, if you start a joke and the audience gets erupted, you don't go back to that joke. You just go on to something else. Right. But that, yeah. I would go right back. You know, they interrupt me. I go, and anyway, that, that way, my dad, I just feel like a record broke, and I just go right back to it. Skipping <laughs> <laughs> the needle. Got to spit the beer yeah. off your face, and okay, where was I? Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I go right back to it. I go right back trying to do the joke I'd been interrupted. Oh. And so the club owner, though, he saw the beer being thrown on stage, and there was a small stage of amps right next to me, and the drum kit behind me, so he's like waving the money in the back. All right, come get your money. Come on. Come get it. <laughs> well, he knew you were And I go quit. off. No, no, I wasn't going to quit. No. He knew no, I was, I was, that, He was saving his own life. He was saving his equipment. He goes, this guy ain't quitting. Just pay him. Just just get it done. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, he, he was like, man, he couldn't believe He So he... He goes, he leads me into the, the dressing room. It was just the, the kitchen behind the bar. And we go in there. And the Ramones are standing there waiting to go on. And, they, you know, the guitars are just standing there waiting to go on. And I come in, I'm soaked head to toe with beer. One of Ramones looks at me and goes, cool act, man. <laughs> that's awesome. Like, that's what I did. I was a beer sponge. But that guy, that that club owner, he, he hired me for, like, a couple more times. But the funny thing was, to me, the funniest thing was, like, the third time I went to work for him, like, the second time I woke up for some bluegrass band, I did okay, right? He said, yeah. oh, good, you're, you're great. I'm going to just, you know, I was cheap. I was $50. It would cost him a couple hundred for another band, right? So he hires me for somebody else, and I start doing my act, and he just walks up to the stage. He goes, you're doing the same stuff you did last week. I'm not paying for the old stuff. Like, he thought the comics would do a new act every time. Damn. <laughs> hey, it's a, it's a new 15. You better have all new shit. You, you wrote it last night. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I'm like, no, this, 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 he's like, I'm not paying for it. He, he got so pissed at the me. He was paying me going, that's the same, that's like you said, the same shit you did. I'm, I'm, I, why am I paying, why am I paying money for the same shit? <laughs> that wow. that that brings up a good point. And you brought that up in your book too, that you, you made a point of it. Like if you're doing a big weekend at a big club. Say you're doing two shows on two shows on Saturday and two on Friday, whatever. You made it a point not to repeat any of the same material you did one show to the next. Uh, I, look, you couldn't do 100, percent but I look I had nothing. I like nothing more than the, than the new joke smell. I like nothing more than new joke. I love new jokes. I think most comics do. I get excited about it. I'm, I'm more of a writer than a performer. And I get excited by the idea of a new joke going over, a new idea working. Yeah, so I was constantly pushing, constantly pushing. So five, ten years into this thing, I had a lot of material. I had a lot of material. So I would always do that. I'd go, I'm doing new jokes every night. I'm going to do different stuff. A different. I never do the same show the same way. And if I felt like if I wasn't doing new material when I was on stage, I was even though I was getting paid in the clubs, I, I, was, I was cheating. I was doing something wrong. 
Wow. I should always try something new. Well, you know, I didn't realize the the difference in uh, that comics doing their sets differently between shows. You know, the the early show and the late show. And, you know, the first time I did that, uh, I saw a comic, and he said, hey, you want to stick around for the second show? I said, sure. So same opener, obviously, and all that. And I saw how they all did the same show but different, you know, a tag or something new in the middle. But, you know, still being the same show, and I was my eyes were open. You know, I was like maybe a year in going, oh, my God, there's so many things we can do here with this. Yeah. With this profession. It was yeah. just eye-opening that you could do a twist and second show i'm gonna try this new chunk and see what happens you know because you're dying that's to try right it anyways so i tag it onto a bit that i already do and it, it would fly and then that bit i tagged has disappeared you know from the set and that's the and, best and feeling what, in the world and once the audience knows you're willing to play like you'll go off and, and play with them and do you know just improv then you're gonna have a different show every time anyway and they're gonna they're gonna play with you they're gonna play that's yeah, exactly. There's nothing like that feeling just uh, performing. Like you said, you got a new one, and you you said, "Should I try it?" Oh yeah, I'm going to try it. And you know, I did that a couple weeks ago, and I put it in the middle, and it was like my best part of the set. I was like, "Okay, this is a keeper. I love this thing." You know, and you, you yeah, you, yeah, you can't sleep yeah. that night because it went well. No, oh my god, it, and it's so funny. I mean, and you learn to go, you learn to put it in a cush spot, you know, like a hammock spot, right? That it's that you know you can back out of there. I always tell people go like. They, they, when you're really rookie, you go, I'll open with a new bit. Don't open with it. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Give an idea you're funny before you spring the new thing. Exactly. Like you said, you got to cushion it. Put it with one of your babies, but protect it. Don't squash it. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. if you lose yeah. them early, it takes a lot to get them back if you can. <laughs> that's oh, that's, that's uh, Yeah, yeah. And the bigger the crowd, the more, the, you know, the bigger crowds are like a bus. You know, you have to kind of. You know, you kind of really hold that road. You really, it's, it's, you know, you got to, it's all momentum. But a smaller crowd, if you lose them, you can get them back much more quickly. Oh, yeah. Well, you were talking about that, uh, that hell gig there with the Ramones and stuff. And, uh, me and Roy, we still have those type of shows because it's stage time. And a buddy of ours runs a room out in Burbank and it's a, it's a bar. And he said, hey, guys, you gotta, you gotta come do my room. <laughs> and it's like, no problem. We'll, we'll go out. So we, we go out there and this is place, Rich is small. I mean, it's so small. And so, so we get there, and we're like the first comics there, and the show started 10 minutes ago. And um, so uh, there's like five people at the bar. Two dudes walk in. I'm standing there, and they look at the bartender, and they say, what's going on? And the, the bartender, she looks at him and says, you know, it's, well, it's comedy night. And the one guy just stood there, went like this super loud, just went, fuck this. Is <laughs> I'm on stage, is I'm on stage taking the bullet, first one out. All I hear is "fuck this." I'm like, "Why am I here again?" <laughs> just let me know. I looked at Roy and I just went, "Oh my!" I laughed so hard it was the funniest shit I ever heard. And, and they they weren't playing. They turned around and left. <laughs> just <laughs> well, you know what it kind of reminded me of is is back to I am comic when you when you got back first time and you just like played with it and made fun of like it was nice having all the TVs on and stuff while you were trying to do your damn set because they don't care if you're there. That. No, now that uh, you know, no. I, I saw. I, I went to the. I told Rich this last week. I uh, I went to the world premiere of uh, I Am Comic at the yeah. Silent Movie Theater out here in L.A. on Fairfax, and Jordan Brady, the the director, and uh, Rich were there. And I'm sitting. You remember that place, Rich? It had the couches and served cupcakes. Yeah, it was great. That's yeah. great. That's the Silent Movie Theater. It's a great place. Yeah. So I'm sitting front row. I got this cush couch, and I'm watching this thing. And there's my idol up there. He's standing right there, and this this film just changed my life about being a stand-up i mean it was just wonderful wow. but my favorite part it was you you getting that itch about halfway through 
you know what? I think it was you at you were at UCB uh, with Todd Glass yeah. was up, and you start scratching yeah. your face, and you go, "I gotta yeah. go, I gotta go, I can't be here." You know, and yeah. it, I, we just know that feeling. Like when you you go see somebody perform and you're not on that night, and you get that feeling, yeah. going, "Oh, I, I gotta be on, I gotta be on." And you going through all that from the Liquid Zoo through, oh, that's that's my favorite part of that whole thing. I, I, I love that. It, it's just. Especially because at that time when I first saw it, I mean, when it first came out, Jimmy and I were just barely first getting into it. Well, then when you start to live it, you're like, oh, my God. That was, yeah, that, no shit. I mean, (laughs) that's it. Yeah. How how do you get through all that? Well, you know, I talked to you. You know, I I, I went back. I know some people I've talked to, they they weren't willing to do that. But I went back uh, almost like I started in the book Kicking Through the Ashes. It was the same thing. I started, I go, I'm going to go back and and I have to go perform anywhere anytime I can. And I took every sort of gig or thing I could do around L.A. to get back on stage. And there were some people who were willing to put me up. Younger comics would put me up. The Sklar Brothers helped out. Uh, Melinda Hill, a lot of people had local gigs to put me up. And uh, Bruce Fine had these little gigs around here, and he put me up. And I, I, I started building up again. And it was just, it, it, I had to muscle through it. It was hard. It was hard. And, it, and it's different. You know, you... When you're, you know, I first started, I was 24, you know, this is a different energy, you have a different vibe, you have a different, you know, sense of invincibility and almost ignorance, willful, willful, willful ignorance. Did it support- and you get older and you've been doing a long time, I go, I've done tonight show and let him in, why am I, why do I gotta go in here? Because I was flabby, because I had no muscle. Yeah, you know, I, was I wasn't, weak. and I wasn't catching joy watching you that, I was just admiring and knowing the feeling, you know, and just, I, I just loved that, you know, and you were like, I think on that one Bruce Fine show, uh, Alonzo was on. You said, "Oh, I got two minutes." So, you know, the fuck, <laughs> the, the fuck am I going to do in two minutes? You know, and, but we know that one when we get our five cut down to three because someone else showed up. You know, and you know, it is, it, you know, you're putting the space shuttle up at that point. You know, I was supposed to do seven. Now I got to do three, and you gave me two minute notice. You know, and you're you're going through yeah. your set and you're working the math, and you're just like, "Oh my god, it's brain surgery," at that point. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I, I, I I talked to you that night when I saw the premiere, and you gave me probably the best advice I had because I was still doing a lot of open mics because I thought I should. And um, so I talked to you about that, and you told me this advice, and I shared this with everybody, and I give you the credit on this, is you told me, you said, never burn your A material at an open mic because yeah. it, will, you, it will tarnish you from it. Yeah, and yeah. and it's like he's absolutely right because I, I would go to an open mic and, and when the new stuff wouldn't work, I would just go fall onto my set, which was just totally right. wrong. And all of a sudden, my strong opener became the shit I wasn't confident in anymore. You know, and hey, there you go. That was my the best advice I ever heard, and I came from you on that. So uh, thanks for that. But I share that with uh, some new guys I would uh, bring up when I host an open mic or something. Yeah, it's. it's- Hard not to because you want to try to win them, and you go, well, this always works. And then if they're not, first of all, most of them mics, you're performing for other comics. Right. Exactly. So they're just thinking about what they're going to do. And if they do think about you, their only thought is, how much longer is this guy going to be up there? Right, right. Is he doing my joke? I'm funnier than him. Yeah, it's all con- yeah. It's all content. You can feel that from the from the room. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, I had to learn a lot of, I had to relearn a lot of things when I came back doing it. And, uh, uh, but I did, I was willing to, and I, I kept doing it. And I got a lot of help from people along the way to get me back in, in the rooms. And, uh, and I love it again. I'm just having a blast again. Were, yeah. you, were you surprised when you got up how much you really missed it? Did it? Oh, my God. I, I, mean, I kind of knew, you know, guys, I knew because that's why I hadn't, I hadn't gone around stand up for years. 
And when Jordan took me back in, you know, we were doing this documentary on comic, and he took me back in, then I, I was like, that's when I got faced with it again because yeah. I avoided it. I, I watched it. I, did, I wouldn't watch it on TV. I had to stay away from it. Wow. I had to stay away from it like a, like a, like a drug addict. I had to stay away from drugs. You shut it out. And, uh, yeah. But I, I got back to it, and uh, that's what also came with this book. That's what got me back in, in the rightness was thinking about what it was for me, how much it meant to my life. Once I got back to it again, I, I these things started. I started thinking about it. They start coming back and, to you, uh, the experiences yeah. and the moments and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and yeah, and I wanted to get that history. I wanted to get that time that was unique to you know unique to stand up history, but also you know that that was my time. That's when I came up. That's when I started. That's when I flourished, and eventually when I flamed out in in early nineties. That would, that sort of is when the, the 80s explosion flamed out. You know, there was a sort of a big recession in comedy for a little while. Well, the, you know, these stories are, you know, I could totally relate to them and so can Roy because that, that was our era of being a super fan. You know, like I said, it, it was all over. So the places and the people and scenarios you mentioned we're familiar with, you know, and, and can place them, you know, the time period. Uh, right. And seeing that. And then once I saw, once I saw your, um, your, your one night stand, your half hour one night stand. That, yeah, yeah, that, that right yeah. there was just. I wasn't even close to being married, and you're talking about being married, <laughs> you know. And I, I related that humor. I got it because I had my mom and dad, you know. So I saw it there, you know. And I'm, yeah. he's talking about real shit right here, you know. And then the Canyon Man thing. I swear to God, me and my buddy will quote it today, uh, just because <laughs> it, you know. It, I called you just so I get the super fan shit out of the way, so I didn't ruin the interview, you know. <laughs> it's like, I, 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 Oh my God! It sounds just like Rich. I got. I think it really is him. Uh, you know, it, and we stick with our inspirations. Like I said, you and Bobby Collins, that styling. You know what I mean? That just really just stuck in my head. And you know, I can do yeah, this. I should do this. And then you finally do it, and you're just like, Oh my God! Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing it like Rich. I'm doing it like Bobby. You know, it's just. And you guys, Look, I, you, it's you, awesome. Yeah, I'm the same way. There, there are guys that I grew up watching. Albert Brooks was for me. I mean, I love Albert Brooks, the greatest comic. I mean, to me, because when I first started, before he even was doing stand-up comedy, I would watch him on Tonight Show and on daytime talk shows whenever he was on, uh, and had he had two albums. I was like, I just was a huge fan. You know, uh, real quick, you, so, you said Albert Brooks. Uh, the, you remember on when he was on the Tonight Show and he did that whole bit with Johnny at the desk with food. He had yeah. the hot potato and and <laughs> yeah, and Gregory Peck and all that. That was is one of my favorite Albert Brooks sets right there. He, you know, he used to virtually, you know, we'd do a Tonight Show set. You, you, you'd cut material out. It was like cut and paste from your act. You pull like a great hunk out, a great a joke out of this piece and out of that piece. And you kind of spot weld it all together with sometimes torturous segues. Yeah. And you finish a joke about, about your mom and you're trying to get to a water skiing joke. And so you, go, <laughs> you know, my mom never water skied. Anyway, when I'm water skiing. <laughs> but you'd have these kind of, these, these, these five-minute uh, little sets you'd build, and you'd, you'd you'd go over them time and time again, practicing them in the, in the improv or the comedy store out here, trying to smooth it over, get it ready, get it real confident. Uh, Albert Brooks, when I, told, when I was told, would virtually come up with these pieces himself and might call his friends on the phone and say, I'm thinking about doing this with the food and this and this and this. And yeah. What do you think? And then he'd go out and do it. Wow. That... Yeah. He To me, he was... So when you're talking about meeting someone, I never met the guy until a couple of years ago. His daughter and my son were at the same elementary school here in L.A. Uh-huh. 
And I saw him in a couple of functions, you know, parent functions. And then more, I never went up and say anything to him. I'm afraid to say anything to him. You know, I'm just kind of shy. Or, you know, you, you, he, might, he might treat me like an idiot and then I lose a hero. You know, that kind of thing. Exactly. <laughs> the same way I felt coming to talk to you, by the way, at I Am Comic. Right, right, right. right if, same I'm, thing. If, I, if I'm an ass to you, then you're going, so oh, there goes that hero. <laughs> He's off. <laughs> right. So one day it's after school and his daughter and my son are talking. And we're the only people standing around. He's like 10 feet away. I just say, ah, heck with it, man. And I walk up to him and said, Albert, you don't know me. He says, I know you. You're Rich Scheider. You're funny. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. That was it. I was stunned. I, my, my son, we, we sat in the car. My son, he, he was only 10. He still remembers. He goes, you just sat there, Dad. Just sat in the car. I just sat in the car. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. <laughs> I would have hung on that forever. I, I, you know, I would. I was stunned. Like I said, I talked to you, and uh, the, and I live out in the Inland Empire, so it's like a forty-five minute drive from L.A. And that was sure. the longest, fastest mind drive I ever did after seeing I in Comic and talking to you and Jordan. And I was just like, oh my god, that that just happened. You know, that just fucking happened. Because you, you, you try not to hero worship, but you can't help it. You know. Yeah, well, you know, this is something you loved, you want to get into, so the people you saw doing it, who influenced you to do it, they're important to you. Yeah, and you're and you're right there, and they're, and they're just as friendly as you hope they'd be, you know, 99%. Uh, I, you know, I, yeah. I, 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 I did have a, I had a bad fan moment. Um, I, I love Mark Marin, and um, so I got a chance to see him at the Ice House, and this is probably three years ago. So I get to see him, and great show. First time I saw him live. Had a great time. After the show, I'm hanging out, and I want to say hi and meet him. Well, then I, I got into this. I felt myself getting into this creeper stalker kind of mode where I, I felt like I was stalking him instead of waiting to meet him. And and everyone else is going up to him going, hey, Mark, great show. Thanks for coming out all that. It's just super cool. And he's probably like 15 feet away from me, and I won't move. I can feel myself not moving, <laughs> and you know, and I've worked with Chris D'Elia and Joe Quay. I've worked with all these people; they're just great people. But I'm freezing right here, and I can feel myself being the stalker. And finally, Mark, yeah. Mark noticed and looked right at me. He goes, "You're right, buddy." <laughs> and, and, and what did I what did I do, Rich? I went, "Yeah, I'm good." Turned around and left. <laughs> I didn't even meet him. Once he's, I said, yeah, okay, yeah, I, yeah. I am now banned from every Mark Marin show. I can, I can only hope that that's what happened there. And that's like three years ago. I just, I just, I, I felt it. Oh, you, you turned into Travis Bickle from Taxi. I was so Travis Bickle. I was so Travis Bickle. It was like, I, and I felt it happening too, and I could, I couldn't stop it. <laughs> we should have said something even audio. You see, buddy. Our yeah. rain's going to fall, Mark, and then turn and walk away. <laughs> oh, just turn the tables on him. The, the shoulda, woulda's after that, and they still happen. Yeah, you know yeah. I, I thought about it yesterday. Yeah, you know but the I, only thing you could have done was just enhance the stalker aspect to it by some sort of bit of a incoherence and then leave. Exactly, or just you know, be let off like a special. You know, it's like, uh, he's he's not well. We're going to take him home now. <laughs> he he might have tried that, but he couldn't even breathe at the moment, so he couldn't think of anything. Yeah, well, you know, you're Oh, friend. man, I, I, look, I totally get it. I totally get it, man. You know, um, a friend of mine, this is, you know, you get to meet people because you're in this business. Right? These guys, this Joker Shecky is in a band in, in, in Pittsburgh. And I got a chance over these guys, Joker Shecky and, and the uh, House Rockers. And he was friends with Springsteen. So he was always performing with Springsteen whenever Springsteen went to Pittsburgh. And Joe performed a couple of his albums and when he broke up with the band, E Street Band. And, 
in about 2000, Joe calls me up and says, uh, I got to come out and do some recording in LA, man. Uh, can you kind of stay at your house? I said, yeah, he stays at my house. And one morning he wakes up and says, come on, we're going to go record. I said, Joe, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a musician. No, you want to come with me. You're going to want to come with me. Come on, come on. Yeah. And he just pretty much forced me to go with him. And we end up going up to Springsteen's house. And I didn't, he knows, Joe knows how I am about oh. Springsteen's the guy. I mean, he's for me, he's the guy. He's the guy. Yeah. And I get up there and I am tongue tied, man. I am, you know, and Springsteen's seen it probably a million times. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's seen it. So he's like just cracking jokes around me, you know. Like at one point he goes, let's make some sandwiches before he starts. We're in his, in his kitchen. I'm making sandwiches before Springsteen. <laughs> and I put like a half a piece of meat on and like a, I'm like, I'm worried I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look like I'm hogging Springsteen's lunch meat. Right? <laughs> So he looks at me and goes, hey, Rich, you know, he says, I, I got enough money. You can put some more meat on that sandwich. <laughs> and you're like, thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the rest of the day, I became like fodder for them. Joe. I mean, I was it. They were they were using me for comic relief, but not like a, I was actually instigating any laughs. Yeah. I was just providing them by my own bumbling idiocy. Yeah, yeah your plan worked, but the other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, man, a laugh was yeah. a laugh, right? What the hell? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it, man, <laughs> right. as long as they had a good time. Yeah, right? Hero worship is dangerous. It could be the best thing, and like uh, Rich said, it could just turn you off on the guy and go, okay, I'm sorry. It didn't, this is not what I thought. Yeah, you're a dick. Oh, man. Gone. Yeah. But you know, oh, yeah. the best part, you, you, but you meet someone like that, and, and they're like, I'm a comic. Oh, yeah, you're a comic, too, and they want to talk to you about it, you know? And it's like, it's the best networking and group of uh, well, people he, around. When, when, when Springsteen, Joe introduced me, right, and he said, uh, you know, Rich is a comic, and Bruce goes, yeah, I've seen him, right? And he did that that Springsteen went, yeah, I've seen him, and he's got a smile on his face, but I don't know if it means, yeah, I've seen him, he's funny, or, or it's like, yeah, I don't know how he makes a living doing that. <laughs> and I wasn't about to go, well, Bruce, did you, I wasn't going to do, you know, the old comic joke. Right. You know, the comic joke where a woman comes up to the comic and says, oh, you were great last night, I saw you, you were so funny, man, oh my God, you, you brought me out of depression, made me laugh at first, I came back tonight because I just want to take you home, and have wild sex with you and the comic goes which show you see me <laughs> first or second show <laughs> so I didn't want to be like that with Springsteen going like well, where did you see me funny Bruce what, 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 what do you mean do you remember was it Tonight Show was it HBO come on let me know which one <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't it lesbian you could have been just saying it in a showbiz kind of way you know like, yeah yeah you know yeah exactly and we've all done that too oh yeah yeah I saw your set you're pretty funny <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> good set buddy good set good set yeah yeah well yeah. you know the 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 way the the new comics are out here you know the old way like you said you you find a a topic a premise that you want to work out you know and you hear about all these people you know you and uh carlin and prior they work five days straight on it you know you go up there five nights in a row and you just tweak and you tune it you know and get it just polish that diamond up you know and i just don't see that happening a lot anymore well, I, I think it's a different, well, you know, the the style of comedy is different. I mean, we, you know, what I did, the way I did it, if you look at guys like Rick Overton or guys that I started with, Larry Miller, we we looked like we were trying to get laughs. We were working to get laughs. Right. That, that was the style. You know, you put an effort into it. My dad used to say, put your ass into it, boy. Put your ass into it. <laughs> That's something my dad would so, say. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. So so we put our ass into it. So you know, you knew I was trying to get laughs up there. There was no... But the style today is to try to. There's a lot of deadpan irony. That's a that's a very that's a very popular right style of stand up. There's a lot. So there's a lot of like I'm not trying to get laughs. I'm just casual. The casual 
you know, Lenny Bruce, those guys, they started that whole thing of looking like it was just a conversation up there, that you're just winging it, a conversation, it's not an act. Right, an exactly. Act. So it, today it's even more anti-act. You you want to try to act like you're just having a conversation. You want to look so casual that you're, I'm not even on stage. <laughs> the guy's like, I'm just happy <laughs> to be standing here. Uh, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of amusing. I'm a little bit, you know, I'm not even sure why I'm here, you know. Right. So that's part of the, the style today. Well, you know, it's it, 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 funny you mentioned Larry Miller, Rick Overton. Like I said, that's that's my that's my wheelhouse, you know, that era. Yeah, you know, yeah. so me going yeah. in, you know, it's like my style matches that style, you know. So I came in and I already noticed that I was different than the Youngs coming up. You know, I'm 50, so I started this eight years ago. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. so, that I'll, uh, so then I had to get myself out of the feeling that I was a vaudeville act trying to revive, you know. Going, wait a minute! Everyone, no, everyone's different, and I'm going to be way different because this is my style, anyways. You know, so I'll see, I'll see a, a, an old bit or even a new bit by Larry Miller, and I'll die laughing just when he shows up. You know, sure. And it's sure. just a, look, that old school stuff is this is my wheelhouse. Look, you know, it, it, every generation sounds different. Every it's like music. It's you hear the stuff. You heard a, a record from the 1930s. You could just hear by the production, the, the way the instruments are used. The, everything you go that's that's old that's that's from then right so yeah. when we started it was the same way there were very few comics like Rodney Dangerfield who were old style comics that we all dug and we loved Rodney because Rodney was cool I right. mean he, Rodney was Rodney was like the, the anti-American dream he almost mocked our parents you know because he had <laughs> that I'm, you know I get no respect I'm a loser you know and everybody was like you could be anything you want in America you could do anything you guys want to do and we're like no I don't think we can <laughs> and Rodney sort of echoed that fault in our mind so we loved Rodney my generation loved him but a lot of those older comics we would work with them and be like like you said we'd look at them like a ball like, you know, they're old they sound old even right. if we didn't look at them and see how old they were if you just listen to the act you go this is a, a different era this act sounds old exactly and it would be like that way today if somebody young person would listen to me and not even listen to my act and not even see me they go it sounds different it sounds from another time right well one of the things i like i mean I, not only do i love standing or performing stand-up you know i love the history of it i like you know the stories of the, the the old days to now to back in the eighties, you know, the the uh, I just love the chronological of it, and uh, you know, this, yeah. a comic sitting down telling me how they do it, a new guy or an old guy telling me how do you write a joke, you know, I love shit like yeah. that, you know, so I'm yeah. totally into the craft of it, you know, so like I said, when I and comic came out and. Like I said, that just changed my perspective right there. And then your books, I got, uh, you know, I Killed, and obviously uh, from your Facebook stories to the book now, it just, uh, I, I'm in, you know, I am, I'm in. And, but I, I like my style being different now because I, I'm, I don't think I'm a hack anymore, you know? Well, I yeah, think... to, me, to me, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Rich. I'm just going to say, to me, what defines a hack is, is lack of passion, that you're, you're not trying to to be original or try to be honest to yourself. I don't see you've got to be original. You've got to reinvent the wheel. you just got to be honest to yourself. And a hack is is not that. They have no passion. They're, they're the ultimate grocers. They're just going to sell whatever they think the audience is buying. But but do you think, and, and I know I don't, it's kind of a dumb question to ask, but when a crowd's watching you and you are passionate and you're a hack or you're not talking the truth about yourself, people know right away. They know you're full yeah, of shit. Yeah, I think... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some acts are pretty, pretty convincing, pretty good. But I, you know, I worked these these Vegas crowds. I just did like fourteen shows at Laugh Factory. Now they were 
mostly young people. There were there was I'd say, you know, to my age group to the younger age group, thirty percent my age, seventy percent younger. Because I went up there and put my ass in it <laughs> and brought them into my world. You know, I, I didn't try to, you know, what, what's always funny is when you see an older comic trying to hip up their act with references. It is Justin Bieber. You sound like Bob Hope talking about the <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> And we're all guilty of that. We all tried it. It's like, let me try a little something hipper, and you, you immediately yeah, just fall on yeah. your ass. You're just like, oh, why did I even do that? Oh, my God. Oh, look, a Caitlyn Jenner reference. He's so relevant. <laughs> he is the hippest guy I know right now. <laughs> but but all that comes from experience to know what you can and can't do. And you brought it up earlier. You brought, I think it was a, a good analogy. You said um, you had to build back the muscle when you came back. Yeah, I think that's yeah. right back to the craft thing is you had to build all that back because obviously yeah. you're good at what you do. You know, you were you're you're early very successful, then you bowed out a little bit. And for someone to think they could just jump right in and just like, Okay, I'm here again, this is what happens. I mean to know that you had to build it like ground up again because you know, you're not the same person you were then, you're a little different now. And it's you know, it's it's it to get it back and, and I remember a comedian watching Seinfeld do the same thing. Watching him hit yeah, little, little clubs, and it's—I remember talking to Jimmy, going, "Look at these guys; they have to start over again. You think they're just can just walk out, and that's what they do, and that shows what kind of passion and what kind of talent it take, takes, and how much work yeah. it takes." Yeah, you know, I remember talking to somebody who said, "Well, you know, see, they were—I loved the comedian that that documentary Seinfeld did." And I remember talking to somebody at the time, going, "Well, you know, he's Jerry. He gets to walk out as Jerry. How hard is it when you walk out as Jerry to do new bits?" I go, "You know." They could give you the best intro in the world. And I saw this time and time again when Michael Richards used to go out to stand-up. Yeah. And they go, here it is. He's Jerry Seinfeld. And he's got about maybe 30 seconds more time than I, an unknown comic, gets. Right. He's got about 30 seconds more before he better start delivering funny. Or they're going to lose him, too. Yeah, exactly. They're going to lose focus of him, too. In fact, they'll get angrier because their expectation. Yeah, they're, they're actually let down quicker. It wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't we me. Him. We lost him in the middle. I, he was done with us. No, phone dropped off. Yeah. Um, Jimmy's going to try to get him back. Because Jimmy got his number. You could probably get it from him, maybe. Um, that was cool. He liked that part of that movie, though, too, because that was something that, that when we saw it, both Jimmy and I said the same deal. It was like, this is somebody that that is you know another legend, like Rich is, and has to work and work and and get that muscle back and get get it all back. <laughs> you got to... <laughs> that was the best part of the you night. Gotta put, you got to put him on... Yeah. You got to oh. give him to me, Jimmy. Okay, right, I'm going to toss you over. What, 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 what second? He, that, we got to get you back over to my side so we can put you on. Here we go. Man, man Rich, you were rolling. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was the bet. It was it was the money shot you guys missed. I'm sorry. Well, you got that. You know, we all we all know what our cell phones are going to do. And there was that one little hiccup <laughs> while you were yeah. talking. I'm like, oh no, I know this one. And all of a sudden, done, done, over, <laughs> done, done. I'm, you know what? And as me, I'm blabbering on, and then I pause and I go, see, they didn't even laugh at that. I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are assholes. Went, oh, 
No, I'm not. Nobody's there. I'm, I've been talking for a minute. Yeah. And cell phones used to do that. Uh, nowadays, they don't do it so much for when you lose a call, they'd say beep beep or, you know, some kind of abruptness to it. Right. You know, yeah. same thing. You know, I'll be talking to Buddy and he's going on and on and I don't hear him anymore. And he'll call me back and I'll call him back. He goes, you're calling me. I'm on the phone with you. I said, no, dude, you. I lost you five minutes ago. <laughs> five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> we, we missed the best part of the interview. Rich was rolling and, and, and damn it. We got, we, got, we got censored. <laughs> we got censored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, we were talking about that, that movie just coming back, building muscle like Jerry and he got heckled in that movie. Yes, uh, yes, yes, which I'm just saying, you know, they'll say, pick, look, Governors in New York, I used to perform out there, that's where that was, and believe me, Governors in New York was, I mean, you know, they, they, they didn't laugh unless you, were, unless you were stringing up one of the audience members, they loved to see somebody <laughs> strung up, if you, if, you, if you buried somebody up there, that's when they really loved, so they, there was, I mean, they, they kind of chose that place as, that was where you are going to get that kind of reaction, you know, Sure. so, but, but Still, it's just a great documentary. I really like that documentary. Well, you know, uh, one of our funny uh, funny things, and I'm sure with you, obviously, is when we're out with our peers, our buddies out doing comedy, I I like the face and reaction of a comic who had a bad set and come off. You know, you're like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I love that reaction. And and, uh, the, the best and funniest stories we all have of each other, our friends on stage, is when they bomb. You know, oh. you know, and oh. uh, you know the, the best set ever. Your HBO special, you know, I mean, you do that set, and everyone's like, "Dude, that was great." But you ate shit in Van Nuys, dude, and that is the, <laughs> that is that is that is the story we're going to remember for fucking five years and forever. You know, that, yeah, 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 you know, you, yeah. You, you killed at the ice house, but remember when you ate shit in Van Nuys, and yeah, that's yeah, the best time yeah. of our lives, right there. Well, it's funny because yeah. you know, Jimmy and I know each other so well that we we know when each, and we're not we're not gentle with each other. We'll say you you really ate shit. That was bad. I don't think. Yeah, we don't just say yeah. good set, buddy. See you tomorrow. And we walked out one hey, time. Look. One time at the store, I think it was at the comedy store. One time, and I actually—I mean, it was as bad as I've ever been. And we looked at each other and kind of had that look and went, "Yeah, um, go get a hot dog or something." <laughs> you want to talk no, about it? No, no, no. You kind of—that's when you got to find another crowd as soon as possible. I got to get this bad taste out of my mouth. No, absolutely. There's only one way, right? But I look. I love the fact you guys are honest about it. There's so much now today. I know there's so much self-promotion today because people are constantly trying to just promote themselves. There's a, there's a billion comics, so you're, they're constantly. But this, this self-reviewing stuff is driving me nuts. You know, Every time I see on Facebook or Twitter, somebody goes, I killed last night. Oh, to, me, to me, it's the quickest indication of they didn't kill. Exactly. They didn't. You know? They got the <laughs> rabbit ears. I've seen that so many times, people coming off. Somebody used to call it laugh ears or whatever they call it. Right. And you'd see them. I mean, they'd walk off the stage. I'd been standing in the room, and they'd walk by and go, that went great. And I went, wow, man, I was in the room. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I you know comic, here's another thing. I'm going to say this popular. I want, I, this may be, I want comics to stop this. I don't want to hear any more. I just performed for the troops, unless you complete the sentence. I just performed for the troops because it was the best paying job I could get that way. Right? Stop. <laughs> Stop making it like it's an act of patriotism. You're getting paid, You're getting right? Paid for so, yeah. You know what's funny? They're, they're about, stealing. You know what's funny about that? I just killed every time Jimmy and I see one of the people that we know, and they post that. We screenshot it and send it to each other. And we're like, "What a jack!" We do it all the time to each other. Well, like Rich said, <laughs> I, I, we were there. We saw that. 
You know, and I, I, you know, we all know when we did a good job. You know, we right. Rich, you know right. when you had a great set, and, and Roy, me, and I'll never say I did to anyone out loud. You know, but when I think I do, no. when I think I do, and one of my be- better friends in comedy would ask me, I, I tell him, "Here's the clue: when I say I did really good, uh, no, when I had fun, I had a lot of fun. That's my th- yeah. that's my way of telling you I think I did really good." And, well, hey, look, every, every comic defines the audience by how well they did. If the comic says that oh, they're a bunch of idiots, you know the comic bombed. Yes, but absolutely. that crowd was hip. They were they were a smart bunch of people out there. You right. know the comic is saying I did great. Yeah, and you're not, you're not. You should. You you should. You don't have to post. You kill. You you should be killing. I mean, what's the point? <laughs> exactly. What's the point? Isn't that what you're here for? But yeah, but uh, I yeah. I mean, you I mean really? I I I don't. I thought there was the only thing to do was to kill. Well, that's one of our. I mean, you're just trying to survive. You just think, in fact, that they didn't toss you out of there on your face into the sidewalk that you did okay. Other than that, <laughs> did you did okay. <laughs> well, our you know our mutual friend Steve Cooper. That's one of his pet peeves. I had him on the show here, and we were talking, and he said, you know, when he was doing, it, he goes, that, "That still kills him." His, his pet peeve is, you know, I crushed it last night, and and he's like, "No, you didn't. You did not crush." No, 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 no. 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 And and you know what? Audience getting up to leave is not a standing ovation. Let's get that clear. <laughs> well, he's right. You know, everyone's waxing poetic because of social media. You know, <sighs> we're we're not there to see you crush. You know, your promotion is you know some. That's how some people promote themselves. You know, I crushed. I filled the room. I, I you know, I get it. And that was your. That was, I get it. I, I get that it. was I your. That, that was your bringer show because you filled the room and you crushed because your mom thinks you're funny. Yeah, that was that was the show that night. You know, you, you you can't call yourself a comic in my mind until you're making your living doing stand-up comedy. That's it. Yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, you know, they, I ever tell you the Robert Schimmel story? No, no. Please do. I, I loved him. Robert Schimmel when he came out to L.A. first came out here, he was a stereo salesman. He was working over Beverly Stereo, which was a high-end stereo place over West Hollywood. And uh, I get a call, Steve Martin. This is like nineteen. Where it was, 78, 79, somewhere in there, Steve Martin wants a, a high-end stereo. So, so Schimmel grabs all the banging offs and, you know, high-end stuff and goes over there to set up a stereo. He grabs the job, of course. i got to take this job. Right. So he's setting up Steve Martin's stereo in the living room. Steve Martin's sitting there watching. Schimmel told me, he says, I couldn't help myself, man. I had to just start doing my act as I'm setting up. I'm taking my time, and I'm doing joke after joke, and each one is bombing. Steve Martin's just staring at me. I'm trying another one of my bits. Nothing. Nothing. So finally, I just go to Steve Martin. He just goes, you know, Steve, I'm a comedian, too. And Steve Martin goes, no, you're not. You're a stereo installer. (laughs) When you make your living doing stand-up comedy, then you're stand-up comedy. Comedian, right? Now, the kicker to this is, two years later, Robert Schimmel does a comedy CD, right? Yeah. Guess who writes the liner notes? Steve Martin. Steve Martin. That's, That's awesome. awesome. That, wow. That is crazy. You know you're not just... Yeah. But that, hey, that was cool. He gave it back to him like that. Yeah. That's so, right. So when you first, you first got into it, and, and, and I read in there when you first decided, okay, I can do this full time and working yeah. your ass off to do it. You had your ass in it. <laughs> what was, yeah. was that scary to you? Thinking, all right, this is this. is I've made the jump. This is how I've got to make my living, and I've got to hustle. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. I look, look. You know, I took every job I can. I was going down to Washington D.C. and still most of my paying got jobs. When I first moved to New York City, was back in D.C. opening up for bands or go to some other place and open up for a band and wherever. 
you know, it wasn't making, there weren't jobs. There, 1979, there weren't comedy clubs all over the country. There were, there were like three of them out in California, Garvin's in Washington, D.C., Detroit Comedy Magic Castle opened up around 79. So there were, and I didn't know about that. I mean, we didn't, you know, I mean, I, there were just no place to work. So my last straight job and I was hanging out all night at the improv and then I'd wake up in the morning to go work with these guys cleaning out apartments in New York. Uh, yeah, I was hustling. I was, you know, I, I was too, I was hustling too much to be scared. I mean, I just had, I just had blind ambition. I said, I've got to, I'm going to do this. I can't. It was like, I burned my ships, man. I got, <laughs> I got busted for pot. So there was no way I was going to be able to take the New Jersey bar exam. So I, I sort of inadvertently burned my ships, man. I was like, what else am I going to do? There's nothing else I can do. Yeah, you inadvertently. Yeah, you inadvertently forced yourself to be there. That that uh, this is what yeah. you're doing. But looking back at yeah, it, I'm doing it. Looking back at it, that was probably one of the best things you could have done. Not you knowing for pot. Yeah, because think about it. You could. You didn't have another choice at that point. I, I listen. I, I joke about that. Honestly, it wouldn't have mattered. I was not going back. I was not going back. No, I, I was just. I had to do it. But, I just had to do it, and I was getting enough laughs. I mean, you know yourself when you're doing. You're getting enough laughs. You go. I'm. I'm sticking with everybody. You know how you the other comics look at you. Go when you come off stage back in back in back in this time. There were showcase clubs, the Improv, the Catch Rider Store, and Comic Strip. About a hundred comics running around. Now the bar is filled with comics waiting to go on. When Gilbert Gottfried goes on, the bar empties. Everybody goes in the room to watch Gilbert. Right. Right. So I was getting a feeling myself. I started getting a feeling once in a while. I I come off the stage and I see ten comics standing in the back of the room watching. So you start to feel approval from your peers. Yeah. You know, it's not just the, the laughs from the audience. I'm sort of going, you know what? I'm fitting in here. I'm hanging with everybody. Yeah. You know, when you go hang out afterwards and you're going to a late night diner and everybody's sitting around, I go, I'm getting my laughs. I'm, I'm banging with everybody here. You know, you're right because uh, the, the the more into it, you know, I, I do a show and a couple of my comic friends will say, when are you going up? Let me know when you're going up. And then you, yeah. see, you, see yeah. that, you see that dark corner with a few of your friends and then a few more show up. You know, and you do that. Right. You do that to your friends too, and you realize that is it's a, it's a it's a great feeling because you're going, hey, they want to see my stuff. This is great, you know. And you get those those tight people. You know, when are you going up? I want to watch your set. I want to watch your set. And I, 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 yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Pure approval meant a lot to me then. Means a lot to me now. I, I care about what comics think of my book. I I always I always was thrilled when other comics say hey, I like that joke or whatever. You know. Uh, yeah, I love that. Oh, it, yeah, it's it is a great feeling in the world. And uh, like I said, uh, talking to you and reading your books, it took me back into your stuff. And you know, the the Candyman set. Well, actually, that whole HBO set. And then I saw one of your uh, comic strip lives, and you know, obviously your Tonight shows. And it's just like, oh my god, this that that was then, and it's still now. You know, and seeing you go get your get that itch. Once you scratched your face, and I am comic, I just knew it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it was it was it I'm right like, then. You know, well, I, you know, a couple years ago, I had to take some time off. I had to finish a divorce and all this good stuff, you know, and it had to be yeah. dealt with. So I took time off, and you just don't know what you miss until it's gone. And I was doing the same thing. Then I would go do a couple shows, and I'm like, oh god, that was awful. Ah, oh, god, and your nerves. You're back to being a rookie again, you know. And uh, yeah. so now, yeah. now I'm back doing it, you know. And now I'm fortunate for the time I took off because I think it's actually improved my set now. And, and confidence, but when you hit that, you scratched your face. I went, son of a bitch. I know this one. This, there he goes. <laughs> I love that. Well, even just, yeah, and even just to hear the excitement when you walked off the first set you did. 
you know, when it was filmed, and you and you could just tell you were just like you were on that high. That was like, where, where, what? Why did I stop doing this? It was like you could just tell. Well, it was he, awesome. you know, he, he put it best because uh, people we've known uh, all our lives and most of our lives, they still don't understand how rich you put it in uh, when you did the Liquid Zoo. Coming off that high, how long that takes. You know, yeah. from performing uh, from a. Sometimes it's not even a great set, but you still have that high. And you know, it it, it it takes me a good two three hours, minimum, to be done with it. You know, enough to lay down and get some sleep. Yeah, yeah, I know that's so true. And I chased that high for a long time. I, yeah. you know, that off stage, I wanted to keep that high going because it's a powerful, powerful bit of adrenaline, man. Right. Right, I remember. Yeah. Uh, I remember Tim Allen talking about that in the film, and he says, uh, "You know, the bar closes at four. He goes, no, there's another place called the the Devil's Sphincter, 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 down, down the street. And let's go." <laughs> and, yeah, he just talks about chasing it and stuff. But you know, and it, like I said, it's the, that decompression afterwards. You know, even when we do the radio show here, you know, I still go home. It still takes me two, three hours to get down from being on. You know, that's right. Yeah. That's right, but it's a great feeling. I I, I wouldn't change a uh, trade it for the, for anything. No, not for anything at all. And and it was, you know, I don't know. It was just something something cool to see. Um, when you made that move, that, that's where I was at. Look, I just did that thing on a joke where it's like, don't go back to the joke that you started because you went somewhere else. But I gotta know. When you made that move, one of the other th- funny things in the book was when you were starting to get in the money. You did the first college stuff, and you were getting your seventy five dollars a spot, and find out they found out the dude was pocketing a pile of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you opened that envelope yeah. and you went, "Mother, what in the <laughs> hell is going on here?" <laughs> and you were like, "Man, we're getting seventy-five bucks to do this college. This is awesome." But what is in this envelope? <laughs> it kind of told you what, what was the quote. It was something like, "Well, you should." Yeah. You, can we yeah, take it to him? Can we take it to him? We go, "Hey, man, like we each got seventy-five bucks, and you got a couple grand." He said, "You shouldn't open the envelope." <laughs> right. <laughs> Shouldn't have done it. There was no there was no bit of like no no change of expression this old guy. It might have been like right you know, I'm just picturing the guy with a cigar just going, You kids shouldn't open an envelope, man. Sorry you gotta feel bad, but you ain't getting another penny. <laughs> it's like float him another twenty make it a hundred even or something. Hell no, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, I, w- I want to ask yeah. you, Rich, uh, it, it, it's cliche as shit, but when and how did you feel when you, you got the Tonight Show the first time? Well, man, I mean, you know, you think, because it was the goal back then. Right. So everybody who you respected by my time, everybody who I respected had done it. And the people who I looked on, Robert Klein, and Albert Brooks, and George Carlin, Steve Martin, everybody had gone through the Tonight Show. Everybody. So I'm going to go the same route. That was the only and way, really. I never never thought that it would happen. I never. I wasn't a guy in high school or ever, college, ever thought, yeah, I'm going to get on the Tonight Show. I'm going to do show business. There was nobody in my family. In it. There, was no, there was no thought of that ever happening. Right. And I, even when I did it, I didn't think I'm in show business. I just, I'm doing the Tonight Show. My dad watches the Tonight Show. <laughs> exactly. My dad may cheat us and go, he's okay, my son's okay. That's what you want, you know, I said it in the book, I come from a place, and the attitude was, you're not a man till your dad says you're a man. Absolutely, right. yeah, same thing. Right? Yeah, yeah so correct. I, don't, don't think there wasn't a bit of that involved. There was a lot of that involved, man. I wanted dad approval. I wanted my dad to go, and it took a while. You know, I had that story in there about, I, I ad-libbed something, 
and Johnny left, and my dad called me the next day for the first time. First time he reacted to any of my Tonight Shows, Letterman's, HBO. I'd done everything. This is probably my 10th Tonight Show, and he called me up and he went, you made Johnny laugh. You're really good at this. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> but what a da- yeah. I mean, what a call to get. I mean, that was that was the pinnacle. That was... Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, uh, that was a big monkey off my back. That was a big monkey off my back. Wow. He put it back on there a couple times. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> he just took it off and held it for you. Well, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I got lucky because my, my dad is actually, uh, he's very funny, and he's, he's the one who got me into Carlin and uh, Pryor. You know, he's the one with the comedy albums yeah. and stuff. And to this day, he can still make me laugh. He's one of the few guys that makes me laugh super hard. You know, so when I said I, I wanted to do this, my mom was uh, my mom was the first one to say, "Oh God, don't talk about the family." Oh God, don't talk about the family. And my dad goes, "You got enough shit with us to make a fucking three specials. <laughs> it's, just, it's just go go for it." <laughs> it just made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. No, my my look, my dad. Same thing. You know, I think as I wrote in the book, that most people they they have one parent who's really in the funny, like values funny. My dad was that guy. He loved being funny. Uh, he 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 loved, he went and watched people perform. He went and saw Moms Mabley, and he saw Red Fox, and he he saw Bob Newhart. He he saw people perform. He went after it to see it. He liked comedy. Nice. Yeah, I think everybody gets something from one of their parents like that. Well, you know, I, I think my goal was to make my dad laugh also because I he would watch the old school uh, Hollywood Squares and the the, <laughs> the 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 Dean Martin roasts. And, you know, when Foster Brooks or Paul Lynn was on, my dad laughed so hard that, you oh. know, I had to, I became fans of those guys because they made him laugh that hard, you know, and, yeah. and anything Paul Lynn said, my dad was on the floor and knocking dinner over and uh, same with Foster Brooks back in the day, you know, so he made me yeah. appreciate, I think, all this, you know, the, the comedy out there, you know, and the types yeah. and styles out there. So my goal was to make him laugh like that, and I can do that. And he actually came to my one of my first uh, comedy store shows, and uh, he just had a ball. Oh, that's great! That's great! That's great! Well, my dad, the first time he came to, these, to perform, came to see me perform was like back in '81, as in Wilmington, Delaware, when I, right across from where I grew up, across the river, Delaware River. And my dad came over, and my mom came over, and I spent the whole time going after him. So we didn't have that kind of good relationship early on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I will say though, I will say though, on my mom's behalf, she's just as much a supporter. Uh, you know, we had the bringer show, so when the crowd was low, I could call her and she would drive all the way out and grab a friend. You know, she's like, "Wow, that's cool." Me and Roy would do that's the same cool. shows, and uh, like we're down a couple of people. And mom goes, "Yeah, I'll be right out." So she was, oh god, she was out there what six, seven months straight doing this for us. <laughs> here's here's wow. mom again. He's ready to go. <laughs> so you know, the support was been there, and uh, but yeah, just uh, wow. You know, from the from the beginning, it was always uh, humor in the house, so that definitely helped out. Absolutely, definitely helped out. So, um, so you did Johnny, and uh, was it everything you thought it'd be? You know, I was so stressed out when I first did it. I had shingles. I literally had shingles. <laughs> oh, you know, shit. I broke out. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Right? I broke out with shingles. And the doctor's like, you know, only 90-year-old people get shingles. <laughs> I said, well, are the 90-year-old people doing as much cocaine and alcohol? Are they, are they, uh, is that, is that you know, I was, I'd stopped everything, drinking and drugging for a week before, but I was still so stressed out. I went out there with these heavily medicated pads on my hip and my my ass, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm telling you, man, I I couldn't wait. The most exciting part to me was, you know, because we went out afterwards. And then when I got home, we had this old school, this message machine. It was a 1984. So we had a message machine, 
and it was filled. You know, whatever it held, like 99, whatever it held, 99 messages right. from comics. But that I sat there and listened to them, you know, just listening to the messages. Yeah. I, I just felt like it's such an accomplishment that I'd done it. I'd done it. I made it. You know, yeah. I, I cleared the bar. That, that, that I love those stories. That, that is just awesome. Awesome. When um, did you, uh, you did a little acting. Um, cause we saw a little acting with a little acting talent. It was matched up perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember you and Kevin Nealon and, uh, Roxanne. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you did a little TV. You're on a Roseanne, right? Yeah. A little bit of Roseanne there and stuff. And you got into the writing at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, what happened was I did, I did, uh, uh, I had five TV deals, you know, pilots. For me, a star. Which was pilot. the last one? Which was common then? Tonight Show, TV. Yeah, pilots. yeah. I, I could. Yeah, believe- back in the late '80s, man, they were handing out development deals like chicklets. Man, they were just they were. <laughs> if you were a comic, you were, and I was in around, so they they tried me with, and there were five networks. This was you know there were no cable doing original shows like this. There were five uh, networks. I did uh, four. There were four networks. I did uh, ABC twice, and the last one was a. Uh, with Rick Dugan, God, God, God rest his soul. Rick and, and I were co-starred in a pilot, and when it didn't work, um, my agent was like, "I got dropped by William Morris." They said, "Well, we can't do anything else for you." And uh, here's the, here's all here are all your promo pictures and your tapes, and good luck. And they gave me a bunch of tour dates, and I left their office. Wow. And and I was like, wow. And I had a daughter, and I went, wow. I'm going to go back out on the road, spend two three weeks every month out on the road to support a family back in L.A. And I called everybody I knew at a TV show, which were a lot of people back then. It was Tim Allen and, and Jerry Seinfeld. They had shows. And Roseanne and Roseanne called me back that night and said, you want a show? Come to the studio tomorrow. You've got a job. If you want a job, you got one. Wow. And I started writing for Roseanne. I, w- I was shocked. Well, reading the book, I didn't know you were part of the original Married with Children spot. Yeah. I was. Yeah. Like, I saw the I'm like, no way. <laughs> I had no yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was on the pilot, and the first, uh, whatever I did, I don't know how many, six, seven, eight ep- episodes, whatever it was, and then um, they dropped me. I, what, what happened was I, I, I won the role and, and lost it at the same time, because I beat out uh, one of one of the co-creators, Michael Moy's best friend, or one of his good friends. He had written that role, the, the single guy, Luke Ventura, who was sort of um, the devil, Ed O'Neill's Al Bundy character, you know, because he was single and he was constantly banging different women. Right, right. They, he wrote that, he, they wrote that role for Michael Moy's friend. And I beat the guy out because the network wanted me instead. Oh, no. So, <laughs> yeah. What, what the hell so, you, you know, got to be so good for? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what it was? It was like, we were sitting there waiting. You know, when you go to network, I don't know if it's what it's like now, but then... When they say you're going to network, they've narrowed it down. You've auditioned with like a couple hundred actors. Now you're down to like just three of you. I'd done it a few months before with Woody Harrelson and a guy named Timothy Threadgill, who eventually died in a movie called Grizzly Man, the documentary, if you want to see a wild documentary. And myself, on for the Cheers role, when we were replacing the, the, the coach, right? Right. And Woody Harrelson got that. So I came down again to network, and I'm sitting there in the hallway waiting to audition for the final thing and Michael Moy and Ron Levitt the co-creators of Married Children come walking down the hallway and the actor across me jumps out of his chair and goes hugs Michael Moy they're hugging Michael Moy's like you're gonna love LA you got your bag here you come stay at my house well I'm like it's over 
Uh, yeah. I look at the third actor. He looks like he's gut shot. Like he's like, you know, like Oswald, like <laughs> the Harvey Oswald. Yeah. He's just, he's, he's done. He's done. And I'm getting ready. I'm just going to go home. I'm not even going to audition. Why even bother with this? Yeah, right? This and then they grabbed me and dragged me in there. So I didn't care. I didn't care. <laughs> There's nothing better auditioning than when you don't care. You know, that's what I've heard. Uh, right now, I, I'm picturing the Oswald shot. That's just killing me right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, he was. He was done. He was done. I don't think he ever got out of his seat. He was done. <laughs> now, did you like acting? Was that something that you, you thought you would do and it, it turned out to be different? Or? No. No? no. <laughs> was it no. The laugh was the best. No. <laughs> no. no. It was going to pay no. the bills, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I took acting classes. And all I ever learned was I'm not a good actor. That's what I learned. Yeah, because that's, yeah, and, that's yeah. a progression, you know, Tonight Show pilot. Yeah, it's, it was it was worth the money. It was worth all the money to find out I'm not good. <laughs> you know, you know, I when it would, would stand up, you know, you know this. When I stand up, I get up there, I get in the moment. When I'm performing, there's no past, there's no future, there's no time in life other than sex when I'm in the moment like this. Right. And stand up did it for me. And I never got that in acting. I'd be performing with somebody in a scene and I go, why is my hand moving? There goes my hand. Where's my hand going? Why is it going up there? Oh, it's my line. Shoot. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> but, <laughs> I can, you, you, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no, this shit, it is. It is shit. It's like, you know. It is shit. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, exactly it is. Shit. It is. It, you're, you're exactly right. Shit. Oh, that's what happened. So you you you're constantly auditioning for things and not feel comfortable. And they and they send that. They go, they go. Oh, uh, the agent would go. They ask for you on the on the on this uh, uh, Bud Light commercial. Oh, really? Yeah. You get over there and there's 50 guys that look just like you. So they're <laughs> lying to you to get you to drive over to West LA to walk in and smile and then walk out. Like, I don't want to fight through traffic for two hours. You know, I'd rather write jokes in the daytime. And I just didn't. I wasn't really interested. In it. Yeah. Yeah, just to, you gave it a try, put your toe in the water, and just wasn't your deal. No, it wasn't my deal. I didn't get look. I didn't get in the business to be a. I didn't get in the business to be rich or famous, and it's been working out real well. But <laughs> I, I just called myself. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get in the business to be an actor. I got in. I got in because I got seduced by the laughter. I I loved hearing people laugh. Always had. And I love making people laugh. Always had, and that's all I wanted to do. So that's what I did. So the, I wasn't ever comfortable performing other people's material in a scene with other people. I like performing comedy in front of people and making laughs with them. Then that's all I liked. That's all I liked. Did you get a lot out of? I mean, a lot out of doing writing the jokes for the other shows that you did. I mean, was that as fulfilling, or it's still the comedy? Thing? I mean, it's still being on stage. Look, nothing beats getting a laugh yourself. Let's be, let's be honest. Right. Nothing right. beats getting a laugh. I mean. But it's not as bad as watching somebody do the drug. I mean, it's not as that bad. It's not like you're sitting there, you know. But I, I, I liked watching people. I got a kick out of watching people deliver a line that I wrote and getting a laugh with it. I got to be honest. I like that. Right. Well, we yeah, we kind of had that feeling like uh, you know I'll help a, a Roy or a friend with a tag, you know, and you know because you get used to their set also, and he's like, hey, you know what, try this part here, or you said this word two nights ago that really changed the set, you know. And, you know, your little, right. your little contribution doing something like that, you know, he's like, there you go. Just do it. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. Just, yeah, we used to do that for us. We used to do that for each other all the time. You come off stage and comics would hand you like a cocktail napkin or a 
matchbook cover with a little joke on it or a tag to something you did to add to what you were doing. We yeah. help each other out. I love doing that for other comics. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed know, it. You know, and, and, and once we realized we were doing that, you know, because you, you get on a roll, like you said, you, the crowd's doing this, you're in that mood, and it's it's chugging, you're rolling, your ass is in it, like you said. And you know it changed, and you come off there going, you know what you did right there? You changed the word or the order, or you changed, you added this to it, and you and you immediately know that that was it. You're like, you're right. That was it. You know? And it, the hard thing is trying not to recreate the moment, but at least incorporate it for the next time. Right, right. Uh, that, you, look, you, you learn, once you kind of lock a joker where you say it in place, if you change it, it will affect it a lot of times. Now, if you're improv, and of course, it's a whole different thing. The audience knows when you're like winging it. They, they kind of sense when you're really winging it. Yeah. And they and they, they allow, it's like a degree of difficulty thing. They go, okay, he's he's in a 5.7 degree of difficulty now. He's no longer in a 4.2. <laughs> the, tri- the triple Lindy's gotta, going on. He's got to yeah, help you don't yeah, belly yeah. flop on that thing. Yeah, yeah. So they so they know. So they go, okay, we're going to give a higher score on this laugh because we know he's right winging it in the moment with this group of four women who are accountants and Ernst and Young, and he's making laughs with them right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, a comic buddy of mine, Sean Williams, he just sent me a question for you. He uh, he yeah. asked, he goes, "Do you prefer storytelling or setup punch type?" Oh, I, I don't know, man. I, I love storytelling. I love, I've, I've been doing both. I've been telling these stories on stage, these showbiz stories. I'm loving it. I have all those stories I tell. But you, I mean, for me, I can't, I, I can't get in a role in storytelling. It's a different vibe, a different feeling. I can't get a, a, I can't bite the audience and bleed them like I can with set up punch. Yeah. You know, and set up punch is like, it's like a rat terrier just ripping in a rat. You know, just you just you got them. You just got you just shake them. You just shake them, and you can you get them rolling. But but the storytelling is really satisfying. You you find a different place every time, and you find a different line. You add a line, and the story gets bigger and bigger. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. You never let the facts get in the way of a good story. Okay, and it gets bigger and bigger, and and you find a different line, and it's just fun. Now you're you would be kind of classified as basically a, a clean comic. Would that be kind of a true, true statement? Yeah, I'd say I'd say that. You know, I do a lot of sex stuff at the end of the act. But you don't. But, you, uh, you don't do a lot of cussing or you know no, vulgar no, stuff like no, that. No, was that no, by, was that no. by choice or is that just how you became or were? A couple of things. You know, I got some of. Um, I, you know, I, I learned it back again. My era to get on stage, get on the Tonight Show, you had to be clean, right. and Seinfeld who's one of the masters of this thing, you know, just figuring things out, said, you know, when you, when you, when you curse, when you put the word shit or fuck or whatever, put it in the, in the, the punchline to make it stronger in the club, when you take that out to get on a Tonight Show or whatever, it's going to affect the timing. It's going to throw the timing of the joke off. Oh, that makes sense. There's well, going to be a hiccup there. We, uh, we, uh, I met a comic on, the, on my way up. His name's Brent, uh, Brett Ernst. And He's very funny. Yeah, very, very funny, funny guy. guy and, but, uh, you know, and he... Yeah, he's Jersey, he's New York, he's got that attitude, and you expect him to be a cusser, but he, he, he told me a valuable lesson. He says, you, sometimes you have to have three sets, three versions of your set. He said, you got your, your TV set, and you got your, yeah. your, your, your PG set, and he goes, then you need your bar set. That's right, he goes, that's right. You know, he says, if you can put, break them down into those three, then you don't have to worry about where you're going to play. If a gig just pops <laughs> up, or if <laughs> Conan calls and you're going to go on tonight, or whatever it be. I- I can, I can, I never had a problem. I got stuck in a situation where you got that crowd, you go, they just want raw meat. There was some, 
casino at the Pachanga or something was doing a room, and it was just like it was like you know, bring your own side gun. It was like it was a rough, rough room, man. <laughs> and everybody in front of me had done nothing, nothing but solid dick. It was just wall to wall dick jokes, you know. It was just like, and I knew that I was. I was closing the show. I said, there's no way I'm going to work clean. You know, I can always work dirtier. It's not a problem working dirtier. Right. It's easy. It's easy. It's easier to do that than to go the other way. But I agree with what Ernst said. I, I, I totally agree with what he said. You know, you, you got to be able to do it all. Sort of, I, for me, I had to get on the Tonight Show. I had to work clean, so I did that. And I always felt more comfortable doing it that way. I think it was, I, was it, Jimmy and I were there at one time. I think Ralphie maybe one time told us, this, is it something about it? If you If you can write clean... And you can write clean all the time. That's mostly what you do. It's always easy to go dirty. But if you're writing dirty, it's like impossible to go backwards. It's like it's, no, you're it's, right. it's so hard you're right. to do because a lot of it's times... It's hard to write clean. Right. It, cause it, and, and then a lot of times you find out if you make it clean, or I have found out, if you do it clean and it's funny, okay, that's fine. But if, if a joke is funny just because it's dirty and it's got bad words and that, that kind of language in it, there's really not a whole lot of meat to the joke anyway. Well, you know, here, here's a yeah, a lot of yeah, yeah, a lot of guys back then. Not so much now, but back then, it was shocking to hear somebody curse in the club, right? Yeah, because people weren't used to it. You're, so you you're you can vulgar. make a joke. Yeah, you can make a joke out of a non-joke by just throwing curse word in it. Well, that's why Richard Pryor had such an impact. You know, you you may want to call it shock value the way he when he adjusted his style to what we know live on the Sunset Strip. You know, how he was saying those stories and the cuss words and the subject, you're like, everyone was like, oh my God, and it was hilarious at the same time. Yeah, well, he, 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 he you know, hit for him it was almost superfluous, but he, he didn't need to. I mean, that stuff, that's some great material he wrote there, too. Right. You know, it's I mean, funny. It was, it was just amping it. A confession, I was just saying, my buddy Sean Williams asked those questions and he asked about, have you always worked clean? And I, I'm such a fan of comedy. I, it took me a minute to go, are you, is he clean? And I, I couldn't actually place I couldn't place a cuss word on you, and I'm like, son of a bitch, he's clean. he is right. <laughs> so I didn't. I, I, I've enjoyed you so much. I, I didn't have the time to categorize you, you know. And he says, as he always worked clean. I'm like, fuck, Brian Regan's clean. Okay, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Rich is clean. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> there you go. Wow. What What was one of your like? I, I saw you talked about the importance of a room. You know how how a room can build laughter and make comedy funny and and that kind of stuff and and I, I one of my favorite clubs I know you put it in there is the Ice House but what is one of the worst yeah. worst things you saw I mean one of the worst rooms well, you played that was built for comedy but never should have been well um, the outdoor venues are always terrible because the laughter just dissipates into the air right. and there's so many distractions you know the moon the stars the bird flies that, that's bad but the worst indoor place. Was there was this place down in in, in uh, Winston Salem, North Carolina? This restaurant decided this when the bling was boom was happening. And, you know, it was one. I was out the road to go go over to this other. There's a new club over in Winston Salem. You're the first comic in there. So I was a lot of times because I was ready to go for anything. I was sort of like the Marines of comedy. You know, send him in first. <laughs> send him in. <laughs> he'll, 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 he'll work it out. They'll work it out. So I get there, and the, they they had not done anything to change the restaurant. The restaurant had booths. They were booths. Right, and all booths, and they had glass partitions going up these booths up to the wall to the, to the ceiling. So each booth was its own little section. So it's it's great for dining because you don't have any bleed over from the table next to you. Right, their conversation, or whatever. It was great for dining, 
terrible for comedy. So all, all these little cones of silence were around the room. <laughs> so I'm up there, and they again, they didn't spend a lot of money. They put a little stage there. See, there's three elements, right? You guys know this. There's, there's the, the stage, the sound system, and the lighting. Right. And it really helps to have all three. You know, a higher stage you have, the more respect you get, the less heckling. It's nice. Lower stage, they may be a little more intimate in the room, but you want lighting where you don't, you're not working in the shadow, and you want to be able to hurt in the sound system. Well, the sound system they had was just hooked into whatever the restaurant had. They had little speakers that the manager would make the announcements, you know, you know, party of five, you know, that kind of thing. Right, right. So the sound system was not great. The stage was this little kind of low-slung thing. There was virtually no lighting. So they, the guy had taken like a, I don't know, it was like an old old uh, uh, headlight off a 55 Chevy or something and <laughs> put a car battery in it and pointed it towards the stage. But I was kind of like, there was also, it was a fern bar also, one of his fern, so there were plants all over. So I was kind of like in the shadow of this plant, right? And then the worst part was people couldn't hear themselves. They couldn't hear the people laugh. People laugh because they hear other people laughing. Oh, yeah. So you get a room full of 200 people laughing because they hear the other people laughing around them. And in this place here, they were all sitting in these little individual pods, oh, little pods. So I'd see somebody kind of laugh once in a while, but you couldn't hear them. Oh my nobody god! Nobody could hear each other. I couldn't hear them. I couldn't hear anybody. <laughs> pods of laughter. <laughs> the worst. Yeah. So I'm 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 watching what looks like people in a glass coffin, kind of like are they gasping for air or are they laughing? I'm not really sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, if they're laughing hard enough, they might have been gasping for air. So you're probably killing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was terrible. That place, and I, I don't think it lasted two weeks because the guy wasn't willing to put any money. Like, he had to move all those glass things. He had to take those booths out, put tables in. He just wanted to see if he could jump on the comedy thing and, exactly. you know, pack the place on comedy. After he finished serving him dinners on, on Friday and Saturday, he'd do a couple of comedy shows. Wow. I, I have a, a listener, that we've got him texting in, wants to know, uh, says, can I ask Rich his favorite story from the book? Ah, my favorite story from the book. God, there's so many, but I, I, I would have to say one of them would be would have would have been um, the Alaska one with Kip. And that was it was it was it was with um, Dick Dunlap. Dick Dunlap and I did Alaska. Uh huh. Again, this was at the height of it, and uh, David Strassman, who's been was sort of booking this. There was a strip joint in and up in uh, Anchorage, Alaska, and I get up there. Uh, I used to know that I, I couldn't drink or do drugs before the show because it, it might become, that become the whole thing was drinking a drug, it would take over. So I never never wanted to drink or do drugs before the show. And I get up to the airport and this guy, a uh, tall guy, black guy with a cowboy hat, picks up a pickup truck, his name was Lanier. And I get in the pickup truck and he goes, uh, hey man, you want some beer? He had like a little cooler beer. I said, nah man, I'm cool. He said, uh, you want some smoke? And he pulls a joint out from behind his ear. I said, nah, nah I'm, I'm okay man, no smoke. How about some blow? He pulls like a vial of coke out of his pocket. I said, no, I'm, I'm cool. He says, yeah, some whiskey. And he pops up in the glove compartment. He's got a pint of whiskey. He says, nice. And he said, motherfucker, you're in Alaska. You better start doing something. <laughs> and I get to the comedy condo, and he just kind of unlocks the door, hands me a key, and I walk in with my bags, and there's a naked woman sitting at the kitchen table doing cocaine. So she sees me, and I'm like thinking maybe I'm even in the wrong place. I go, I, I, I'm, I'm the comedian. She goes, oh. And she starts screaming, Vic, Vic. She's screaming, Vic. And the door opens next to me in the bedroom, and Vic, who was a big, heavy guy, big guy yeah. is naked. 
And he, yeah, he bounces into the door frame, completely whacked out of his stall. He's like, oh, thank God you're here. And he passes out on the bed. <laughs> so we get to, uh, we're driving over to the thing later, right? We're driving over to the club. It's a, it's a strip joint. And Dick's explaining, listen, that's a strip joint, but they, 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 it's almost like a Lenny Bruce bit, but they, they get rid of the strippers. Uh, and, and they do a comedy show and the place gets packed with comedy fans. It's going to be fantastic. I haven't, I've been up here for three days doing, uh, naked jello wrestling contest and I haven't slept. I haven't slept at all. <laughs> he said, so the way we're going to do the show, we get backstage and of course backstage with all these strippers and you, you learn real fast. I'm trying to be like civil, like, hi, hi, where are you from? You know, how you doing? You know, they, they answer a question. Every question you ask them is like, you got any blow? You got any blow? They're all, you know, got any blow? <laughs> So Dick goes, look, man, here's how we got to do the gig. You know, you go up there and last as long as you can. And when you can't go any further, uh, bring me on. And then we'll go back and forth like this. I'm like, what do you mean? Look, I do my 45. You do your 45. Or you do your 45 and I'll do my 45. We'll just switch each night. I'm not, I don't even know what he's talking about. It doesn't register to me. You know, I'm just a hot gun and I'm just like up there and do my killer 45. And he's like, well, man, all right. Well, listen, when you get in trouble, Right behind the stage, there's, there's a strip joint, so there's a stage wall that comes out. On a, one of those two-by-fours, he set a little plate of cocaine. He says, look, when you get you get in trouble, and you need to, this will be here for you. It's right here. I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm going to, I'll see you in 45. So I walk out. They introduce me. I walk out. I go, hey, how you doing? And a waitress is immediately in front of the microphone holding up a double shot. Here you go. This is for you. I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to joke it off. I got I to gotta do a little comedy first, and the, all of a sudden the whole audience is like, drink. I was always susceptible to peer pressure. You know, what could I do? I drink that. I try to do another joke. There's another shot in front of me. I'm like three shots in. I haven't done a joke, and I'm starting to stagger. Oh, God. <laughs> and you got about 40, I'm looking over got 40 at Vic. to go. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm looking over at Vic, and he's like waving. He's like behind the stage waving. Come on, come on over. <laughs> I, can, I haven't done a joke, and I go, hey, I want to bring out our next comedian. You're going to love this guy. He's hilarious. And I bring Vic out. And then I go back behind the, the wall and I just do some cocaine. And then Vic and I did that for the whole hour and a half. We go back. We did. We go out there together. We did improv together. We do old jokes together. I don't think we did our acts. We were so jacked up on coke and whiskey. And that that's how it went. And I, after the show, this big Texan, you know, they were all these guys coming off. the. They were building the pipeline back then in the 80s. So they all these Guys who were building the pipeline would be up there for eight, ten weeks at a time. They'd come off like, like Wild West, like guys coming off the range, you know, on a cattle drive. They'd come into town with their pockets full of money. They'd have sandwich bags full of Coke, guns in their boots. It was Wild West. Damn. And, and so we went out to these guys. And every other house was just a gambling joint, you know, prostitution. It was so... We were out, oh, I mean, we're out, we're out with these guys. We're out, Dick and I are out, and we're coming across the parking lot, and I forget that we're in Alaska, you know, and it's it's winter. But I, I, we're coming across the parking lot, going home, finally going home, right? I lost, we're going home. And we're walking across the parking lot, I go, this is great, it's still dark outside. I never, I never beat dawn, you know, I'm always out until, like a vampire, you know, I'm out. I said, this will be great. We're going to actually get some sleep because it's still dark out, which means it's not dawn yet, right? <laughs> and I see Lanier coming across the parking lot. I see Lanier, and I am whacked out of my skull. Like, hey, Lanier, I'll see you later tonight. He goes, later tonight, motherfucker. It's 7 o'clock. you got a show in an hour. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's how it happened. I did not sleep. I did not sleep for three days. So Sunday night, Sunday night, I am I'm hallucinating. And Lanier has to take me to the airport to get on a red eye back to L.A. And I hadn't, been, I hadn't slept. So Lanier, he walks me in. Now, this was back in a day. So they walk, he walks me through. The x-ray machine was just set. It was just calibrated for artillery shells. They didn't, they didn't you know, it, it, you, you just, and you walk on a plane. He literally, he didn't have a ticket. He walked me onto the plane. And not, not just, like, to the gate. He you know. walked me onto the plane, sat me down, buckled me in, and put, like, a double gram like double gram uh, a vial of coke in my pocket said this will get you back to LA brother good luck <laughs> and of course this is back when you could smoke in a plane I'm in the back I'm lighting up smoking I'm like at the plate attendant I'm like I need I need some scotch I need a double scotch sure we haven't taken off yet I need I need a double scotch I now. need that now I can't wait this plane to take off I need that now <laughs> I got back to LA I, I fell asleep for about two three days I woke up as soon as I was able to operate a telephone again. I called Strauss. I said, "Don't be back up there as soon as you can. I need to get back there." <laughs> Best the time. That, that, you crushed up there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh man, that, that was that's probably one of my favorite stories in that book too. That one just kills me every time. Every time. Oh, real yeah. quick though, I was talking to you. I'm an old school fan. I, I was actually had the opportunity in the last three years to open for Judy Tenuta twice. She's still out there ah. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> she's still the same, Rich. She's great. <laughs> she's just the same. I just had a ball. Say, hey, Jimmy, you want to open for Judy Tenuta? I do. I absolutely do. <laughs> and my dad, <laughs> That's my, great, man. My dad even came out. He goes, Judy, I'm there. <laughs> That's great. You know, there, she's, there's one of those originals. Yeah. And there's one of those originals. It's still the same. Still she's an original, yeah. and still the love goddess, and it, it, I just enjoyed the shit out of it. It was just, it was so it was a dream come true for that stuff. Watching you guys and then being there on uh, stage with them, it's like, oh my god, this is this this is the pinnacle that's right great, here. Man. This is the pinnacle. Well, we are we are actually we're, we're close to shutting this thing down, Rich man. You have been awesome, man. <laughs> I can't Jesus. I can't believe hey, I've had a blast, man. I can't believe you hung in there with us. <laughs> I'm glad you did. <laughs> oh, I'd I'd love this. This is awesome. Are you kidding me? I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't even look at the clock. I don't even know what time it is. I've had a blast. Yeah, I did the same thing. I looked like going. Well, look at that. We got him. That, this has been awesome. Wow. There's one thing though you're gonna have to indulge us in. We do uh, we do every week with our guests. It's a thing we call our Great Eight Quiz. Okay. It's, uh, it's yes or no, nothing's right or wrong. It's just whatever comes to you. So if you like, I'm going to give you the, the Roy and Jimmy thing, great eight quiz to shut this thing down. You ready? And and if I, I win, do I get a free copy of my book, uh, Kicking Through the Ashes? Yeah, I'll even sign it for you. Well, Roberta asked too, and we're definitely going to go over it. But don't, come on, Kicking Through the Ashes. I got mine on Amazon. Is there anywhere else they can get it? Get it on Amazon. Get it on Amazon, man. Okay. Yeah, so right. I got, hey, and if you're Amazon Prime, it's next day. I'm just telling you, man. You don't got to wait. Beautiful. Yeah, I, yeah. Got the, I got the key. All right, I'm ready. I'm okay. ready. Okay, question number one. Uh, uh, Letterman or Leno? Letterman. All right. Question number two. What is your chill music? What do you, what do you wind down to? <laughs> Elvis Costello. Nice, very nice. Number three, okay, this is a good one here. Uh, what is your? Who was your comic inspiration? Which one really kind of got your juices flowing to get you going doing this? Robert Klein. Robert Klein, Ooh, very good. Yes. Number four, your go-to comedy movie. 
Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove. Very nice. Uh, number five, what was, the, <clears throat> excuse me, what was the last thing that pissed you off? Ma- major or minor, doesn't matter today, what pissed you off? Well, I was at a, a light, and uh, a woman in front of me was texting, and we sat there through the entire lake change. The entire one. Okay, yeah, that's a boy. I said, I'm not going to honk this time, because usually I honk. I said, I'm not going to honk. I'm just going to see how this goes. And, of course, I did not have the ability to like let it go i got so pissed off you know i, I couldn't even i couldn't enjoy the experiment <laughs> <laughs> so did you honk or did you get out and go beat on her window <laughs> no no i just sat there and the light changed and the guy behind me finally when the light changed he was probably doing the same experiment he just laid on his horn like he was because i looked behind me and he goes, what what he's looking at me like why didn't you let her know like, <laughs> so now you're the, the asshole that there <laughs> You broke it. Yeah, you that's broke, right. You, you broke that's the right. chain of command. The communication was over. Yeah, it's your that's fault. right. I, I failed my responsibility to warn the idiot in front of us to move on the green light. <laughs> oh man! All right, number six. Your pizza leftovers, cold or warmed up? Warmed up. He takes the time. I gotta appreciate that. He takes the time. Number seven. Yeah. Your your favorite. Uh, yeah. Your favorite cuss word. <laughs> I like the laugh. Dick. I like dick. Dick. I like dick. I like to say dick. That's a good one. All right. All right. Here's our last one. Yeah. What is your best impression? Now, everyone can do one, and it doesn't have to be a famous person, but what and who is your best I impression? I only have two. Do them one both. that I do. Uh, one that I do, the best I do, is one that every guy my age can do. I do Walter Brennan <laughs> as Amos McCoy. And oh, yeah, she's going out there, boy. Little Luke's out there, he's going to bang you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, no. oh, my God. That, that, <sighs> that is the great eight quiz, Rich. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> oh, appreciate Thank it. Thank you, man. All right, guys, listen. Right. Go pick up his book. It's at Amazon. It's a great read. Pick up his other book, I Killed. Uh, definitely go buy, rent, or sneak a peek of I Am Comic. And uh, Rich's stuff is uh, all over YouTube. He has his website, Uh Go there and uh, keep a, keep track of what uh, Rich is up to. Oh, and he's gone. He hung up again. We lost him again. <laughs> we lost him. So, Jeez. Um, yeah, find out wherever he's at. Um, this guy is awesome. He just gave us an hour of his time, or two hours of his time. and uh, I'm, I'm calling back. Yeah, call him back. Yeah. And find out why, I mean, the grade eight, grade eight quiz just pissed him off. I think that was the problem. <laughs> He's not even going to pick up now. Um, you, can get, you can get his book on Amazon. Go to his website. Actually, if you go to his website, richheidner.com, um, you can get an autograph copy there, too. So you can email... Um, uh, send Rich an email, and you can actually get an autograph copy for thirty bucks. So get one of those. Shoot, I should have got one of those first. What the hell? Um, <laughs> I can hear it in the background. Yeah, put them put them through real quick, Roy. Okay, put them through. You got it on my side. Yeah. I, to- I told Jimmy not Hello? to give you the grade eight quiz. It's going to piss you off, and you're going to hang up. <laughs> This, we lost. No, I didn't. I thought it was over. I thought you guys. I thought you said goodbye. Oh, okay. No. I we were like that close. Right, right. We were pumping up your book and everything. I said, okay, Rich is done. He's out. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, 
I thought, oh, they're just going through the wrap-up of the show, so I just, you know, they're done with it. No, no. The, the, now we are. So, the, again, Rich, thanks so much for uh, calling in. We had an absolute best. Br- uh, big thrill for us, man. Really appreciate it. But definitely. Uh, that, 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 thank you, man. Thank you. Definitely a highlight of uh, everything I've done so far is being able to talk to you for a couple hours, and um, we completely appreciate it. Class act, brother. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank All you, right. man. All right. Have a good night, Rich. Thanks, buddy. Bye. 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 Oh, man. Now we properly said goodbye. That was <laughs> awesome, dude. That I mean, Come on. Are you kidding me? No, that was great. Uh, we just had almost two hours with Rich Scheidner. That's awesome. Definitely pick up his book and, and everything we just said. That was fun. And we got the grade eight quiz out of him. Oh, man. His, his impersonation. You know what? That was the first one that used the word dick. Yeah, exactly. You went nice and simple, old school, and very effective, though. Dick it was, pl- it was classic. <laughs> dick. Well, now we you could you could isolate that instead of playing this Bacoli. What a dick! See, we got Scheidner saying it. Got Scheidner saying it. Yeah, that's even better. All right, buddy, oh, we're going to wrap this up. Thanks for everybody for listening in your questions and stuff. A big shout out to Rich Scheidner again, and a big shout out to Steve Cooper for uh, uh, hooking us up with him. Uh, uh, again, a thrill, uh, a big thrill for us. So that was just awesome. Uh, well, I'll, I'll cut this podcast quick and put that up, and I'll definitely. Uh, post out there when this goes up we'll go awesome we'll go quick on this one cool 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 jimmy thank you oh man thanks uh thank you thanks roy chaotic we had a blast we'll be back next monday 9 to 11 right here on chaotic and one more big shout out to rich rich man you uh you rock you just made uh these two guys's year week or month or man quite a while so hey everyone thanks for listening look for the rebroadcast of this thing and uh, we're gonna get out of here you all have a great week and uh we love you all We'll talk to you soon. Hit him, baby. Breaking my heart.